Hello, welcome to Riot Oh God, that was really high pitched. I wouldn't have been able to start there, would I? Welcome to Riot Act. Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, mate. How you doing? I did a little Alvin and the Chipmunks thing at the start there. I loved My it. Apologies. it was, no, I loved it. It was very good, very appropriate for episode one one one. I don't mm-hmm. know why it's appropriate for episode one one one. I just wanted yeah, to point I was out that's say, episode one one one. Explain yourself. Why it's appropriate for episode? Why high-pitched voices and 111 things? I mean, are similar. I mean, I've just, I've just explained that I can't explain myself. Uh, I just mm. like to. I just want to say one, 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 one. Okay, one, one, one. Uh, good. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing the latest records and releases and music, all the things uh, from Napalm Death, Everything Everything, Bob Mold, Fawn Limbs, Jamie Lenman, and Hidden Mothers, plus. What go on? I'm just just, just, just going to say quite a week. Uh, quite a week. Alert. Quite quite a good mm. week to say the least. Yes. Yes. Uh, plus, on broken records, we go back to the early days of Pink Floyd and ask who exactly is in charge here these days uh, as Why? we talk about Uma Guma. Um, if you go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, uh, you can contribute to um, keeping this show going and you can enjoy some of the excellent exclusive content that we give away over there. Um, it is any amount of money and you can get a writer's review a week. And uh, we've just put one up this week, which basically was nearly two hours long on 100 Reasons debut album, Ideas Above Our Station. It was 107 minutes. It was it, we, we just wanged on and on and on, didn't we? Um, mm. For ages. I mean, we're both quite invested. Did the in whole, scene. whole 100 Reasons career? More or less. I mean, we, yeah, we certainly touched on the later records. I have received uh, a fair few tweets saying that I was right about um, Kill Your Own, by the way, Steve, uh, just to mm-hmm. point that out. Um, yeah. I, w- I was going to at you into all of them, but I thought that was a bit too passive aggressive, so I decided not to. <laughs> well, <laughs> but... I don't mind you saying that album's good. It's just I don't think you need to say it 19 times, <laughs> which is what you have a habit of doing. Going and, well. that, and that's why it's 107 minutes long, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. But no, that was really good fun, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was and really the, good. It was really good. the um, response has been fantastic. So thank you very mm. much, everyone. Uh, if, you, if you haven't signed up to our Patreon just yet, but you're thinking, oh, I don't know whether I should or what, well, I wonder if it's any good. Um, go and have a listen to uh, a, a writer's review from last year that we put up on Biffy Clyro's Vertigo Bliss has gone up for free as well. Um, we will be bringing you a brand new classic album this coming week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that is fine. Five pounds a month that tier you get two classic albums every month one of mine one of Renfrey's you've already had mine for this month it was Depeche Mode that's still up there that kind of double violator and music for the masses um I think we're going to be going in on Ghost Reveries are we not Renfrey I'm going in on Ghost Reveries and I can't bloody wait because I've yeah. been enjoying revisiting that record so yes mm. that's been lovely lovely fun we don't do this very often but it has just occurred to me we haven't asked for a little while um uh, if you do love this show or like this show um please do feel free to give us a little review on the Apple Music we only ask occasionally uh only five stars please none of that four star bollocks um particularly the last four star one that we got from <laughs> getting the fucking fuck right off oh dear uh uh yes uh <laughs> i like the fucking two star one we got more than i like that fucking four star one <laughs> mm. uh yeah um mm. uh but yeah uh, just um <laughs> you've, re- you've really thrown me sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry mate sorry um but yes uh 
it, it, it's very helpful for us and it would be fucking wicked if you could spare some time to do that if you so choose but if you don't want to don't worry it's fine mm-hmm. yeah I, feel, I mean it, it really is fine um <laughs> Like it's really hard really. not to it really is hard not to sound desperate when you do that yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> um uh yeah we've also got merch you go over to rightactpodcast.com we still got some merch there as well still haven't done the other t-shirt pathetic never should have said anything uh, really yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are working on it i promise you we are it's just it's, it's busy we're doing six records this week guys come on give us a break we are doing we are doing quite a lot this week the, yeah. The, um, yeah next week's even worse and the week after that's even worse so i'm having a fucking hernia here <laughs> just going oh my god i got so much to cover uh we should also say i mean the kind of eulogies that we keep doing they, they're just i mean i say it every time that they're, they're not going to stop um yeah. but uh we should talk about toots hibbert uh who passed away on the 12th of september so last week is around a yeah, it was about a week ago from as we record. Yeah. Um, he died at the age of 77, um, a medically induced coma. Now, a couple of people I've spoken to have been kind of um, uh, like guessing that that might be sort of COVID related. We don't definitely know that. I no. don't know that. I'm just saying a few people have gone, oh, I, won- I wonder, I wonder. Because it has come, you know, I mean, he had an album out this year. Do you know what I mean? They actually... <laughs> actually had he'd reduced he'd, he'd reduced he'd um, released music this year uh, he was been on the, put on the glastonbury bill this year like toots and the maytals were very very definitely still continuing to you know he wasn't someone in retirement who had been mm. you know he was a working still a working musician um yeah. so I mean, we, we it's come quite suddenly we I don't think. we we don't know really do we and we shouldn't speculate and the family and no. his management have asked for privacy during this time which is absolutely um uh right i was gonna say a-okay but it's more than a-okay it is it is you know that's their wish and that should be uh respected um i think uh i think i speak for both of us when i say that i don't think either of us are know loads about reggae but it just felt like um it would be inappropriate not to at least mention um toots and uh what he did for the reggae scene well i mean it's um I, I'm not again. Yeah, I'm not. I can't sit here and pretend like I know loads about reggae. I mean, um, his 1968 hit "Do the Reggae" is widely created with, you know, kind of crediting the word reggae as the sort of birth of the genre. So we're talking about someone who is incredibly, incredibly influential, and that's you know he was he was sort of working in the in the in the kind of early 60s mm. as a multi instrumentalist you know um i certainly i th- i think that song certainly helped spread the um mm. the, the the reggae the reggae as a word i, I don't know if yeah. you could I, I don't know if you could argue if it was the creation but it certainly helped uh spread the term i think it's fair to say yeah 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 i think like well in terms of yeah giving it a genre a genre a name yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you know um then i mean that is often been sort of cited as as the moment that that genre got its name Mm -hmm. and um i mean for me you know like again i am not a not an expert on reggae music at all but certainly you know the the impact and influence of toots and the maytals when you think of the type of bands that have covered it you know i mean i love the sublime from my favorite sublime Mm -hmm. album Mm -hmm. there's a couple of toots and the maytals covers on on that record i own their greatest hits I can, you know, I've got to just like fess up in terms of an actual album. I've never listened to a full album, but I do have the Toots and the Maytals greatest hits and, you know, all of the big 
reggae artists um, from that era. I've, you know, heard bits and bobs of, you know, Jimmy Cliff and obviously yeah. Bob Marley is yeah. Yeah. the guy, isn't he? He's the guy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that shit is so influential to so much music that you and I really love. Um, Definitely. Obviously, Scar and hardcore and punk and stuff being the main one why did you giggle at scar because <laughs> because when you said scar i said there's also a lot of music that we don't love as well yeah well yeah yeah some, some of I, it we do. i'm not even sure that um uh i'm not even sure that when you talk about toots and the maytals you can even i mean i know you like real real big fish but i don't really think real big fish have anything to do i mean this is the problem and i think like yeah, matt yeah. matt stocks has put this better than anyone i uh, could ever put it and that yeah. is saying that you don't when you say scar shit and that seems to be like this kind of you know real kind of hipster poser attitude the hipster and poser i've got in the same sentence but the idea yeah. that you go scar shit well if you go back to kind of roots reggae and you know the trojan record stuff i mean I cannot understand how you could turn around and say that that is shit. Scar punk from the nineties, American bands playing pop punk with trumpets over the top mm-hmm. is not the same as, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stuff that we're talking about here, which was a really, you know, in, in Britain in the, I mean, if uh, my mind kind of immediately goes to something like this is England. When I yes. think about toots yes. and the Maytals yes. and it, you, you know, think like, stuff like the specials and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that kind of being so influential, not just for, the music of where your country of like the kind of the sound of your country. And I think, you know, Jamaica, you, you can't think of Kingston, Jamaica without thinking of reggae now, can absolutely. you? It's like, it's yeah. it, absolutely impossible. And, you know, to define where you're from so much, but also to kind of define an era in a place which has really nothing to do with it. White skinheads mm. listening to reggae, like is, mm. you know, was a, was a massive, massive thing. The whole kind of Northern soul, um, explosion and and skinhead culture and scar in this country with bad manners and you know the beat and the selector and madness and uh, you know you may, obviously you mentioned the specials like it and it's such a brilliant melding of uh, of things and, and yeah from my kind of limited actual listening to Toots and the Maytals like fucking brilliant I I I I, I can't understand how someone would go this music sucks like oh no 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 not at all absolutely it's, brilliant i think like in the uk we're just getting the last probably what are going to be the last dregs of summer at the moment and mm. um uh just just to do a little bit of research i just put a um uh spotify playlist of toots and the males stuff on uh and um it was fucking lovely you know to have yeah. it to just listen to in the sun you know and like that's something that um i heard for the first time ever is uh their cover of um letdown by radiohead which is fucking mm. brilliant i mean in terms of covers that we talk about we talked about our cover special um bands taking on a song and it's still being recognizable as the original but putting their own spin on it and that is a perfect example of that it's fucking great like it was so it was so impressive and the the riff came in i was like i know this song and i couldn't believe it was radiohead it's because it's very happy and chirpy and letdown is yeah. quite a depressing song yeah. um but it was you know I, I think that is wicked and um yeah uh yeah whilst neither of us can pretend that we're like massive massive fans you've got to you've got to tip your hat haven't you there's a few things i mean i wish i could sort of again you know there would be other people who could i know funky kingston is meant to be like the mm-hmm. kind of the the definitive sort of really super definitive album um, very funky 
uh, yeah. And um, yeah, he was actually named put number 71 in Rolling Stones magazine's list of the 100 greatest singers of all time in 2010. Oh, okay. Which, you know, for Rolling Stone, that's going to be a broad old list. And mm. that's, that's pretty fucking incredible. So, I mean, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, you know, I do feel like me going, no, you need to go and listen to this is because how often do I listen to it? Not loads. Um, but at the same time, there was a little period where all those sort of comp, those, those compilations of Trojan records stuff came out and I bought a couple of them because they were like five ninety nine in Virgin. Mm-hmm, they were on mm-hmm. sale when they came out and just so much of that stuff is really, really, really amazing, really timeless. And yeah. And I think Toots and the Maytals are right up there with the very, very best and the very, very most influential of those artists. So this is less of a thing going, I mean, obviously it is a, it is an RIP and a loss to a great artist, but also I suppose it's one of those things where you think maybe we should all invest in listening to a bit more of that uh, early reggae stuff because it is fucking great. It is really, really great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But anyway, there you go. RIP to, to Toots Hibbert uh who is like i say incredibly incredibly influential um well that's it really we don't really have any other don't really have any other um things from napalm from toots to napalm death i know i was gonna say it's quite a (laughs) that's quite a jump isn't it i mean we do (laughs) we do some we do some jumps in our time But uh, that that's, is quite a jump. That's extraordinary, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I'm happy with that. I like it. Yeah, I like but, it. But um, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's just go into it then. Napalm Death. Um, so we are talking about starting our reviews this week with the brand new album from Napalm Death, Throws in the Jaws of Defeatism, the 16th studio album from the legendary British extreme band. I didn't use the word metal there because I don't think napalm death are strictly a metal band if you like okay um this is the first napalm death album since the fucking fantastic apex predator easy meat in 2015 which means this is the longest gap between albums in the history of napalm death quite quite interesting i thought yes yes well i mean uh that makes sense as you get as uh people get older the the things slow down a little bit uh, blah 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 and obviously you expect as uh people get older you expect especially from extreme bands and stuff you expect things to um get less savage less brutal less mm-hmm. uh less hard hitting i guess um and uh well that's not the case here is it <laughs> i mean just just to spunk that well, <laughs> straight away uh, well i mean actually you say that um, I, I I get I get what you're saying, mm. but I also think if you were to play this, or that parts of this, if you were to play this mm. alongside Scum, mm. Mm. right, or mm. from Enslavement to Obliteration, any mm. of the really early Napalm stuff, you see an incredible journey. Oh yeah, of a band. Oh yeah, like really. I mean, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I, I I'm I'm. I'm merely saying that they, yes, uh, the journey with this band is incredible. And I have to confess, Napalm Death War is a band who I had a massive amount of respect for. 
<clears throat> and I've seen them live a couple of times and I'd heard the odd al- album here and there, but probably due to the just the sheer size of their back catalogue and what a daunting prospect it seemed to be to go in on them. I'd never properly dived in on them. Right. If, I, if I'm totally, totally honest with you. Okay. And I received the promo for this record at the exact moment that it was very serendipitous because I was, I was, it was at the exact moment that I was in the mood for something heavy. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll put the new Napalm Death on. That'll scratch that itch. And it did so much more than just scratch the itch. Um, immediately on my first listen, I thought, okay, I don't know where this sits in Napalm Death's back catalogue, but if they, mm. they've been pumping out albums of this quality in the last 10, 20, 30, or even 40 years, because we are talking about a band who next year will be celebrating their 40th year, then I am a fucking idiot for not getting onto this sooner. I was going to ask you actually. So, I mean, before we really, really do get into it, yeah, your your kind of full. Blood, I mean, you've kind of said it there. Your That's relationship what... with Maypalm Death is fairly loose, loose limbed, pretty loose. I will say. So, I don't know. I got this promo a couple of months ago. In mm-hmm. in in the last two months, I've purchased three Napalm Death records, right. um, and and I've been listening to this fucking loads, but also really trying to. Um, go through the back catalogue a little bit as well. So at this point... What ones have you bought? I bought Apex Predator, mm-hmm. um, Enemy of the Great. Music Business, because you recommended it. Yep. Um, and fuck, what was the other one that I picked up? Uh, the Code is Red. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, got that for, I got that for a quid in FOP back oh, in the day. Beautiful. One pound. Beautiful. Um, and yes, I have to say every single, I mean, you know, I, I, I did what I think a lot of people do with Napalm Death. There's this kind of, um, when people talk about them, people think that scum is the classic and in a way it is because, Mm -hmm. because it, it, it really groundbreaking, it was groundbreaking, but there's this really interesting thing with scum in that while yes, it was groundbreaking in 2020 or even 2000, probably if you it does it really it hasn't dated well has it scum no i don't think no i mean it, yeah I, I think even when you put from enslavement to obliteration on which came mm. out a year later mm. i think it's a far better like in reality that is a better record than scum most people who know their shit about napalm death will will say that yeah mm. yeah but the thing you know but i think i think a lot of people myself included actually make the mistake quote unquote the mistake of putting on scum first and going okay that's what they do and that i mean of the now i've probably heard half a dozen napalm death records and scum is easily bottom for me for of of the ones i've heard i i mean you get no argument from me regarding Mm. that to be fair Mm. i i i think there's i mean there's i think there was a sort of mid 90s wobble that people okay. kind of talk about, which I don't really think is a wobble, to be perfectly honest. Okay. I think okay. it was just because it's not as heavy or... But then, you know, this isn't as heavy as Scum in a lot of ways. You know, this album we're talking about, but I think it's way, way better. I mean, I'm with you. Like, I I love Napalm Death. 
Um, yes. And they are one of, I think, not only are they clearly one of the most important bands in the the sort of the history and the development of extreme music, I think they're just flat out one of the most consistent bands this country has ever produced. I mean, they're in, t- in terms of who are the best bands Britain has ever produced, if we take Did Life Portrait out of it, who are clearly the best <laughs> one. Um, I mean, I, I honestly would, I, I would have no problem putting Napalm Death in with Radiohead, mm. with The Beatles, with Pink Floyd, with Black Sabbath. I mean, I genuinely think if I was compiling a list of the 10 be- be- band, best bands Britain has ever produced, mm. I can't, um, I think Napalm Death would, would waltz into that list. Mm. You might want to revise Pink Floyd when we get into Broken Records, but yes, I understand exactly what you mean. <laughs> no, I don't think I do. Um... <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'm beginning to learn that. Uh, like mm. th- these last couple of months, I'm really beginning to learn that. And I'm, I'm also really astonished at how um, diverse their back catalogue is, is as well. Um, I mean, as I said, I've seen them live a couple of times. And they're not one of those bands that you can really get a proper grip on just how diverse they are live because it's just so loud and so noisy yeah. and so in your face. But I mean, they this... tend not to. They tend not to go for the more kind of obtuse sounding material live as well. They Is do just right? like to come on and go. You know, we can hit you really, really fucking uh, hard. I, I think that's a bit of a shame, I have to say, because in terms of the weird, obtuse material on this record, it's fucking great, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's, it's, re- I mean, I, I, like, spoiler alert, I think everything on this album is fucking amazing, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, but there are some parts, I mean, let's, uh, should we go into the songs themselves a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say before we do kick into okay. it, I feel quite lucky actually that getting into napalm death when i got into napalm death which would have been hearing breed to breathe on a kerrang cover mount cd and i was like oh that band napalm death that fucking mad band they're on this mm. cd mm. um i might listen to that and hearing it and hearing them at that period where they had they started to do a bit more kind of groove stuff and you know they were they were they were kind of post the kind of grindcore crust punk thing past the sort of the, the proper death metal-y stuff and starting to do this kind of amalgam of that but with you know they toured with machine you know let's not forget they were touring with machine Ed. they were in between machine Ed and cold chamber on a uk tour around this period um <laughs> and uh, yeah and so you know that i don't think they're afraid to tour with anyone i don't think they're afraid to play anywhere i don't think they they look at doing gigs in that way hence why they're yeah. always playing you know, fucking, they do Glastonbury and they play yeah. on the BBC and they do TFI Friday and all that stuff. Like, they just don't really care who they're playing with. They just they're do fearless. the thing that they're doing. They're yeah, fearless. absolutely. But it was good for me to be able to get into them because I was like, okay, I have some sort of reference for what what this band are, but also why they're so much heavier than that. It's the same sort of thing with Entombed around that time. Mm. That death and roll thing, and you know, again, Entombed, playing with Machine Head, um, was a really good in for me to start listening to more extreme music and... Being as a, you know, I've spoken about saying difference by Entombed, I think Inside the Torn Apart, Words from the Exit Wound by mm. Napalm Death mm. as well. Enemy of the Music Business is a cool one. We'll probably talk about this properly on the, when we do on a classic album. But that was when I was like, oh, fuck, this is what Napalm mm. Death, which is what I always imagined Napalm Death were going to sound like. Because mm. that album is fucking brutal. And when you, mm. when the, um, mm. 
the uh, the the leaders, not followers um, EP EP mm. that came with it. Like, holy mm. shit, that's like a covers EP covering all kinds of nasty stuff. It's fucking amazing. Mm. Um, mm. And after that, I was just in. You know, I was just in, and then I went back to sort of when I got scum, and I was a bit like, oh, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, I think the kind of long and the short of it is from that point onwards, from me getting into Napalm Death, everything they've put out post that has been every time I get it, I'm like, this is brilliant. This is perfect. Yeah. And it's, it's always slight deviations and changes um, on, on basically the same five or six influences that they have. I mean, I think that's what's so incredibly impressive about Napalm Death is when you listen to them, all of their records sound very different from each other. Mm. They're always as you mentioned at the start, unbelievably intense for a band who are 40 years into their, their career. Mm. They don't really call on that many different influences for every album, but they always somehow manage to make them, the pot sound a little bit different. I yeah. know from speaking to Barney, the bunch of times that I've spoken to him, their only influences are Sonic Youth, Celtic Frost, Discharge, Motorhead, um, and swans yeah and uh you know fucking throbbing gristle killing joke mm. yes that, killing joke. that kind of thing mm. and then mm. they mm. don't listen to anything else apart from from those bands mm. Mm. and they've only really been they've been doing that since they formed that's all yeah. they're really interested in yeah and they still have managed to make a career which is encapsulates so much more than just the sum of like about a fucking 10 band influence mm, mm. and turn it into all this different stuff. It's, it's mad. But I don't think they're kind of like, I, I don't think you're saying this, but I don't think they're like the ACDC of, of extremity or anything like that. You know, no. I mean, um, Levy said that uh, he wanted Motorhead to be the ACDC of um, uh, rock and roll or hard rock or whatever mm. he said. I, I, I think there is a lot more um, diversity to what napalm death do and a lot more intelligence as well i think um there might be a few people listening to this who go well i hear people like you and steve go on about napalm death all the time but i don't understand what makes them um just better than the other bad than their peers um and and mm -hmm. believe me they are better than their peers yeah, um yeah. they are absolutely better than the majority of their peers and and something that I wanted to bring people's attention to is actually the artwork for this record. Now, you know, please feel free to bring it up on your devices or whatever you're listening to at the moment. Uh, it's the album's called Throws of Joy, Throws of Joy and the Jewels of Defeatism. Um, if you want to do that, but basically, it is a um, a hand wearing a plastic glove wrapped around the neck of a dove, I think, um, and squeezing the life out of it, squeezing it to death. And, you know, it's this amazing kind of it's a really brutal, stark image, which is very appropriate for the band and the music that we're talking about. But it's also some it's also saying something like it's it's just it's just it's just saying in one image. It's extraordinarily powerful. It reminds me of the kind of political cartoons that they used to do what well, they still do in the independent uh, or, or any kind of newspaper like that or Private Eye or uh, Guardian, whatever, you know, those those political cartoons that sometimes are really really funny i mean this certainly this artwork certainly isn't funny but they're just so it's just one image which is just so powerful and it just has it just instantly shows it's like well this is 
this is a comment on humanity completely destroying and ravaging the planet through climate change and just and and i just think the i think that image kind of sums up what napalm death do it is brutality and it is in your face and it is you know it isn't going to shirk away or shy away from um difficult subject matter but it's going to do it in an intelligent interesting manner yeah and they've done that their entire career yeah I think and I'm, I'm beginning to learn that <laughs> now. I mean, I kind, I, I always believed it. I just never, never properly went in on it myself. But um, mm. my God, they really have, haven't they? Fuck me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't know why I'm surprised that this is as good as it is. I don't know why I feel surprised that this is good. Is 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 brilliant because it's their sixteenth record. Yeah, I know, but I'd say that I begin. My God, they're on their thirteenth record, and it's incredible. Oh my God, they're on their fourteenth record, and it's incredible. Oh my God, they're on their fifteenth record, and it's incredible. Like you know, how many times before I just go, okay, well, they're just always going to be great. Um, but I think you know, th- there's definitely stuff. Um, uh, that I think is what I love about this record um, is that there's been hints for a while. I think that um, on the last few records that Napalm could do something which is kind of approaching. I mean, I think they do. They do have, funnily enough, I think they do have fairly catchy songs. They I think do. that the thing that that sets them apart from so many of those other bands is that I think it's really difficult for a grindcore band to have parts that are catchy that you could that, um, that, um, that are memorable but even yeah. i mean even like um i mean i remember when smash and midge I, I remember on, when i was on team up radio and um apex predator easy meat came out and i was like we should be playing smash and midge or digit because it's just mm. it's really catchy and then i play and people are like this isn't catchy it's like it is but it is it just is, do it yeah. three times and it will be fucking catchy and you've got yeah. the same on this like fuck the factoid um backlash just because backlash just because is the opening one two i mean you know that's like just under five that's that's just over five minutes of of the album it's the first two songs and it's unbelievably memorable those guitar parts those bass lines Mm -hmm. and barney which i mean i tweeted something about napalm death the other day saying people who don't like napalm death you should be sort of embarrassed that you don't like (laughs) i actually think it's kind of embarrassing that you don't think that's very good uh or you, you don't think they're good like it's kind of you made a, you're making a fool of yourself. You're making an actual fool of yourself by saying Napalm Death aren't good. And um, someone said, oh, I thought Barney used to just read out his um, shopping list and just like, that was the lyrics. Um, and I mean, not only did is that obviously not true, uh, because Barney uses Napalm Death as a platform to say the things that he is incredibly passionate about. And incredibly um, verbose and intelligently passionate about as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, he's got a really clear voice. You know, he's mm. he's not like... People think he's this cookie monster vocalist. I think you can pick out what Barney's saying. I couldn't... Particularly believe, in the last few. I couldn't believe the sheer... Um, one thing I never appreciated about Barney until listening to this record is the sheer breadth of his vocals as well. I mean, mm. if you take a song like... Uh, joy de ne pas vivre which is which is french for joy of not living i mean for starters the song itself has this really grinding industrial edge which sounds like ministry and i didn't really Mm. think i'd ever evoke ministry in an apalm death review before but here we are um 
and the vocals from Barney. Uh, is that Bar? That is Barney, right? I'm assuming. It might be. I mean, yeah. It. It. I mean, I was thinking because I was thinking that. Um, I'll double. I'll double check that. But if it is Barney, he's doing some black metal shit there. You know. Yeah, and I was like, I, I didn't know he could do that. I didn't know if maybe it was Mitch Harris. <sighs> But um, I don't know that, so okay. don't right. don't um, don't quote me on that. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, it does sound yeah, it sounds fucking yeah. That black metal vocal on it, uh, it sounds amazing. It's incredible. And again, like it, it sounds like it sounds like Celtic. It, it does. It gives me that like oh Celtic Frost kind of vibe mm. to it. Mm. Um, which obviously you, I know is a, a huge influence on them, mm. but um, it's but then, got that that sort of post-punk darkness that goes along with it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of Celtic Frost meets Joy Division. It's fucking mm, brilliant. Mm, mm. But then next to it, you get a song like Invigorating Clutch, which slows down things completely and utterly. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, it's almost grunge-like, you know? I mean, yeah. it is heavier than grunge, but there is a grunge kind of feel to it. And, you know, if you want to know how you do extreme uh sorry if you want to know how you do dynamics within an extreme world this album is a really brilliant example of how you do it um you know i mean well i i feel like i don't know if I, i'm going to th there are two songs on this record which um are i believe very different to anything they've ever done before uh and those two i think are a moral and a belly full of salt and spleen yeah, I've, a belly for salt and spleen. They've sort of done, I, I guess, more. Yeah, more extreme versions of that. And totalitarian. There's a bit of that on there as well. Okay. Um, amoral. Yeah, the killing joke one, mm. uh, <laughs> which I think they released as a single, and I was like, they, oh. Well, I was going to say they released amoral and a belly full of salt and spleen as singles. Mm. Now I know. I mean. I suppose in a way Napalm Death can afford to do whatever the fuck they want because they're never going to be trying to mm. get into the top 10 or anything like that, really. Um, but I love the fact that they've chosen, to, they, they released Amoral, Belly Full of Salt and Spleen and uh, Backlash Just Because. And all three of those songs, I mean, Amoral, I, get, I guess, I mean, this is such a stupid relative term, but Amoral, I guess, is the most commercial song on the record. It sounds sounds stupid calling it commercial, I mean, but you know is. what I mean. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if I was picking it, you congratulations. We finally found a band where you can tell what the singles are. <laughs> yeah, well, well, kind of, but but at the same time, uh, I mean, they're they're absolutely. Uh, they're just they're, they're. I think it's really brave of them to to release the stuff that is the most different. Maybe not so much with. Um, the uh, backlash uh just because just because thank you but um but certainly certainly with amoral and a belly full of salt and spleen th those two feels like feel like non not typical napalm death songs that's what i'm trying to get at. yeah and they're um, not what people would think about when they think about napalm death yeah and i love i love that i think that's fantastic and they are they are certainly amoral but both of them i think are, are two of the best songs on the record i love amoral i think it's it's fantastic isn't it wicked yeah and it there's is a, there's something a little... where i'm like i've really never heard napalm death do something quite like that before They've always hinted at bits of, you know, like I mentioned, you know, definitely Joy Division and certainly, you know, you said Swans as well. And I think there's definitely been, uh, I mean, Killing Joke is the obvious one. There's definitely been an attempt yeah. to do that like big noise thing uh, before that kind of no wave thing before. But like 
not to the point where like you say it could be a it sounds a bit like it could be a single it um it reminded me a little bit of a song like bleeding in the blur in that mm. it's a very very heavy band doing something which is um which which is which could be viewed as palatable but without losing the edge in in yeah. my opinion anyway uh yeah. and I, I and you know i think that is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do um yeah uh it really is i mean i i honestly if they'd just done an album which is 40 minutes long full of songs as good as fuck the factoid or you know fluxing of the muscle which is another mm-hmm. just like rah, rah, one, oh you know. my god fluxing the muscle yeah yeah Sorry, uh, go on. i i, I th- would just be like isn't it good that a band this old can keep writing really really unbelievably uncompromising interesting compositions of some variant on extreme metal yeah or extreme would, hardcore whatever you want to call this I, I would have been perfectly happy with that yeah but the fact that they haven't no nope, uh, they've gone one just, better <laughs> just makes it even better i think this is a fucking brilliant record i mean i don't think this is going to be a shock to anyone with, with me saying it i feel like everyone's just been sitting here going let's wait to see how much steve loves a new napalm death album. <laughs> and i do yeah, so no I, shock but coming from you i suppose as someone who's less of a sort of rabid fan of the band well look let me say this um if you have always been curious about napalm death but found the idea of jumping into their very very vast back catalogue daunting like i did and probably a massive part of the reason why i never did because you just go well where the fuck do i start you know there's there's a lot out there uh let me reassure you throws of joy in the jaws of defeatism is a fantastic place to start Um, i agree with that i would even argue so apex predator easy meet their previous record um, was very 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 well received and very well critically received but i did listen to apex predator easy meet when it came out and it was one of those records where i was like well i know this is good but it um i think i think that record's very daunting for a napalm death newbie to be honest it it starts again with something which doesn't sound like napalm death but yeah horrible yeah yeah yeah, opening track on apex predator easy me is like oh well i knew this was going to be heavy but but i didn't think it was going to be like (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's 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 actually it's quite a nasty record apex predator me uh, easy me i have Mm. to say i've gone back to it since listening to this record and it makes a lot more sense now um and i know i never disliked that record but i was always like i'm a little bit scared of that record and now i get it but this one just drew me in straight away and i think it's because similar to um headcage by pig destroyer which we talked about a couple of years ago i think it's a extreme uh i am going to call this an extreme metal record if you don't i think i I, you know i think it is an extreme metal record which has hooks (laughs) that bring you I don't. I think Napalm Death are a, Napalm Death are a punk band. That would be I, my, I, my caveat I, to that. I, I think, think I think they're hugely think they're, influential of extreme metal, but they themselves are a punk band. I think they say that themselves. I think they're both. I think they're fucking mm. everything. I think that's what's so great about Napalm Death. They're everything within the extreme world. Like I don't disagree with you, but I I think they are all of it. 
they're all of it and they do all of it really 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 well to an incredibly high standard i mean there were bands you know when we were evoking bands like killing joke and swans and converge i heard a fair bit of in here as well you know i mean these are just the absolute best and um napalm death are right up there they they are they are you know number one along with the, the, those peers and all, i think all of those bands that i just mentioned killing joke and swans and converge i'm sure have a massive amount of respect and love for napalm death as well i think i think it's ah yeah i'm falling over myself with this record yeah. i think yeah, it's it, fucking amazing it's brilliant i mean i was always going to say that and I'm, but i'm glad you did as well so there you go napalm death 16th studio album um it's called throws in the jaws of defeatism it is brilliant obviously it's brilliant of course i was going to say that obviously but it really i mean it, it actually is i mean it's not just me being a fucking fanboy it actually actually is um well it's properly was, it's properly got me into this band yeah like, so good yeah. so so good um so let's move on from toots and the maytals to napalm death to everything everything i feel like we're <laughs> hopping around quite a lot this week uh everything everything reanimator is the next album we're going to talk about the fifth studio album from the manchester-based electro pop weirdos uh the follow-up to their 2017 album a fever dream which um i have to say i haven't listened to although um i've had a few people go to me oh i bet you'd really like everything everything that'd be a bit of you wouldn't it and i've not listened to them loads um i listened to get to heaven i remember i think the 2015 yep. record 15. is that the one that's yep. got the distant past distant and i thought that's pretty good but i've never really gone properly in on everything everything as much as i've listened to a few of their albums i've had them on in the background a few times sort of trying to unravel them but i find them a very interesting band i have to say yeah i find them a really interesting band um i have listened to the last two so i know okay. yeah i know those so i'm not much i'm not much further ahead than you um i find them a really really interesting band because they're effectively a math pop band um they have very kind of um unusual time signatures and they're, they're a band who can um hide complexity in very hooky melodies uh, and to think that a band like Everything Everything have, you know, played and I believe sold out Alexandra Palace is quite astonishing, really. Um, and I think those bands, I mean, we talk about it a little bit with Biffy Clyro, how Biffy Clyro can hide some really quite, really quite complex stuff in melodies which are just so poppy and so hooky that you don't even notice how complex they are. I've spoken a few times about learning to play mountains by biffy clyro and actually yeah. whilst it sounds like an incredibly simple pop rock song it's surprisingly complex that song it's all over the place you know it's crazy i think everything everything have a similar kind of bent to them in that sense mm. yeah i mean i do like this band i have to say the idea of mm. them they're weird they kind of sit somewhere for they're kind of they're like the scissor sisters and radiohead and latter-day pet shop boys kind of all smushed together and that sounds like an exciting, interesting meld of stuff to me. I mean, even you get the kind of the opening song is all these sort of weird electro throbs, high pitched vocals and a radio head bass line. And straight away you're like, yeah, I'm in on this. This is really yep. good. It's called Lost Powers, that song, by the way. And there's a, there's a few songs on it that feel like a lot darker and a lot kind of weirder and a lot just 
they don't reveal all of their secrets straight away. There's a song in it called It Was a Monstering, which mm. I think is brilliant. It's weird yes. as fuck, but it's but it's really, really good. And, you know, there are there's stuff dotted all around this record that I think is is very, very good. I'm not sure. I'm, I still don't feel like I'm in love with this band. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. It's interesting because you, you're, you're kind of, it sounds like you're having a similar sort of effect to me in that there's, a, there's an awful lot that I admire about this band. And when you say there's stuff dotted around this record that I really, really like, I really respond to that comment because mm. there are bits of this record where I go, that is fucking fantastic. And then there are bits where I'm like, eh, not as much for me and yeah. upon listening to it um a fair few times now i think i've figured out that the um the songs that i like are the slower more introspective songs and actually that's a side of the band that they have haven't explored massively before this record as far as i'm aware certainly i mean like i said i've only heard the last two records but um i think when they I can get a little bit tired of them when they get a tad too bleepy bloopy, technical term. Mm. Um, when they get those Casio keyboard synth sounds out, I know I know your palette is more attuned to that sort of thing than it is mine. Um, but songs like Planets or Arch Enemy, they're not. I would never sit here and go, "Oh, they are bad songs per se," but they are made of made up of instrumentation that just sounds cheap to my ears some would call it retro i would call it cheap <laughs> um and that's just a taste thing to be honest i'm not gonna sit as i said i'm not gonna sit here and say those are bad songs uh it's just it, it, but but certainly the the songs that i respond to the most you've already mentioned lost powers and it was a monstering i would also throw in moonlight i think that's a great song lord mm -hmm. of the trapdoor is fantastic it's i was gonna say lord of the trapdoor is fucking brilliant yep. yeah it's really good my absolute gold star a favorite is in birdsong i think that is a great but and and funnily enough it's also by far the most chilled song on the record yeah um yeah so it's 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 kind of an interesting one it it, it i keep it, it's a bit of a roller coaster effect this record for me because it does actually have a bit of a um slow song fast song slow song fast song slow song oh but i mean i'm i'm being uh I'm being reductionary there, but that, but it does have that kind of pace to it. Mm. And it really it does. does. It really does have like a, yeah, it feels very roller coastery to me in terms of my mm. enjoyment of it. Um, and that's why, it, that's why it's difficult for me to love it. But I do like mm. it very much. I like it. I think a lot of what you're saying is, is true. I could actually do with less of the slower songs because really? I keep thinking to myself, you're a pop band. And um, I think this is the thing. I, I think those slow songs are really good. And I'm, a, mm. I'm with you as well. Like, I think they are, the better part of the record. Like mm -hmm. I listen to it, I go, this is one of the better songs. They're slower. Mm -hmm. I want them to do more sort of pop bangers, but they don't really seem to want to do pop bangers in the way that, I mean, you, you know, when I think like, you're this kind of weird electro pop band, I do want some sort of big bombastic thing to happen. And I don't feel, and I feel like they do do that a bit, but I think they could go further. I don't mm. think some of the, which is, you know, all the stuff that I've responded to them before in the past has been the super kind of schizoidy, um, you know, uh, electro high energy stuff, which 
is usually when I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. When they get a little bit more sort of chin strokery is when I'm like, ah, just do a chorus, lads. Just do uh, a big chorus. And so I love I, stroking my chin. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, you know, I think it's actually harder to write a really, really good chorus than it is to sort of, you know, electric noodle on for fucking ever and ever and ever and ever. Um, not that I think they do it depends. that. It depends. I, I think you know if if albums like this need a few like real highs you know mm-hmm. i think they need a few real highs and i don't think the times when they aim for the big highs they quite get them get but, the, yeah, but yeah. the flip to, but the flip to that is and why i think this record is still good the flip to that is when they go very very low key and when they go for that kind of kid a thing yeah let's call it yeah they're they're brilliant yeah like it's really brilliant it's just so i guess it's just sort of you know maneuvering your expectations of what they are a little bit yeah yeah it is it is the kid a stuff that i respond to really really well to be honest um it's very difficult to talk about this band without bringing up radiohead isn't it really really difficult yeah especially that kind of electronic mid-period radiohead Mm. um uh there is a minor quibble that i have to kind of bring up as well and this again might be a taste thing i don't know but um you know there's a lot of times where uh the vocalist uh jonathan higgs he sounds a lot like tom york there are a few times that i thought he sounded like uh kelly okariki from um block party Mm -hmm. um he does a very good uh he's very good at imitating vocalists who i think are better than him to be honest uh, now we are talking about tom there's york. some there's some real tom york like yeah yeah on this we, we, we are talking about like he is imitating vocalists who are f- fucking extraordinary in a lot in a lot of ways but but you know and i'm certainly not in any way indi- saying or indicating that he's a bad vocalist it's just i hear a song like it was a monstering and i can't help but think that's very good but tom york would do it better wouldn't he you know um because it's so close and yet not quite there it's like a very 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 good radiohead tribute act it is not not the not the song as a whole just the vocals yeah definitely sometimes the song of the whole as well very much sometimes you know (laughs) tonally like there is a lot of stuff that and that was i was like "Mm, it's really radiohead when yeah i think you know i mean i guess i was like you want to lean on that jake shears thing that you can yeah. do a little yeah. bit harder yeah. Yeah. and yeah. find some sort of middle ground and i think they've not they've even though this is like you say we go high and then we go low uh i think they sound more like themselves going high but they sound better going low but they don't really have as much of their own you just go well that sounds like radiohead so mm. they're great mm. whereas the other mm. stuff it's like well this sort of sounds like them but i don't know man i mean maybe this feels like a sort of to me this feels like a kind of transitional record I don't yes. know loads about their entire back catalogue to be, you know, to go, oh, it's totally different from what everything, everything have done before. But certainly all the things that I've responded to in the past of theirs has been more of the kind of disco-y, disco beat, you know, Scissor Sisters-y stuff. I say Scissor Sisters, they don't really sound, they don't sound like the Scissor Sisters, but his voice has got that Jake Shears thing as well. Mm, he sounds like Jake Shears. And, um, and that's cool, man. Like, you know, like what a cool little funny, exciting, weird pop band the Scissor Sisters were. Um, yeah. 
and you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that at all but this feels more like we're getting good at making more the sort of slower more uh you know ethereal and uh more involved parts of our music yeah and it feels like the sort of the pop banger side of it has taken a little bit of a backseat because of that yeah 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 and that's fine if they want to go all the way down that route they just need to be a little bit um less plagiaristic of it but they still are quite good. You know, it's mm. good. I feel like we've started by going, there's some really good shit on that. And we've ended it by going, ah, they need to, you know, everything about it is wrong. And I don't, I no, no, absolutely no, 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 don't no, no. feel like that at all. No, 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 no. I I think this is a good record. I do. I do think sometimes they're five. I guess, I guess what we're trying to say is they're five albums in and, and occasionally they're still struggling to find their own identity, you know, yeah, which is, which is, I think they're a very good band, but because of that, I don't think they're a great band. But, um, you know, there's some really good stuff on this. And fuck me, I'm really pleased that a band who are this interesting and odd and weird have done as well as they have. I'm really glad that Everything Everything Exists. Mm. I'm, you know, I, I, I can't, I still can't decide if I'm a fan or not, to be totally honest. And I was kind of hoping that this record would make me decide. I've now heard three of their albums and I'm like, why can't I decide this? It's because they're kind of almost there, but not quite. Um, True. But, you know, yeah. fuck it. I mean, they they don't need to get any further than that for me because they're, they're doing really fucking well. They're so, doing really you know. well. We should also say, shout out the production of John Congleton. Oh, again. fuck yes, 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 yes. The fact Just because we like John, Con- John Congleton. Oh, the, the man responsible for Hide the Kitchen Knives did produce this record. Isn't that fucking insane? Yeah. absolutely mad yeah mad 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 anyway that's uh reanimated by everything everything it's pretty good i think it's pretty good i think it's pretty um, good yeah mm. uh let's move on to something else our next album is blue hearts by bob mold the 14th bob mold solo album the follow-up to last year's sunshine rock an album that got into my top 20 albums of the year last it year did. it if did if you remember and it was bubbling under mine as well and and when you put it into yours if you recall i said i was very very happy that you put it in because it's a fucking great record yeah no one really talks about bob molds so much anymore do they nope. um only us shame. really it's a shame <laughs> yeah uh i know i say nobody does quite i'm sure if, but quite a lot I mean, of people yeah, do yeah some people Mm. but it feels like you know people will go husker do and sugar mm-hmm. and oh i like bob mold and then that'll be it really and they won't actually really listen to the newer stuff which i think is a real shame because bob mold as proven last year can still pen a fucking great tune i think it's an incredible shame um i i mean sunshine rock was the first bob mold solo album that I listened to. And I went on a bit of a um, journey of discovery as a result of it. And I picked up, I don't know, four or five Bob Mould records ever since. Have you got and the I... self-titled 1996 yes. Bob Mould? Yes, Yeah, I that's do. good, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. I've got mm. the Hubcappy one as well. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, I bought a few. Um, and thus far, I have not heard a single bad one. Um, it, it, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling. Until now. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely no, not. Absolutely not. not. No. <laughs> um no, 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 not at all. This is um well, Bob himself self described this record as the catchiest batch of protest songs I've ever written in one sitting. And musicians are usually rubbish at, exp- at kind of describing their own music, uh, especially succinctly. But Bob Mould is an exception in that regard because he has described it rather brilliantly. Um this is um 
a bit of a yin to um, Sunshine Rock's Yang in that uh, it's yeah. uh, it's 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 a very pissed off record, um, mm. and it's it's very sort of state of the address, and and it's it's a very political record actually. But it's dressed if you if you put this record next if you put Blue Hearts next to Sunshine Rock, and we're just sort of giving them a cursory listen, I think musically you wouldn't hear tons of difference between the two really but lyrically uh it's really angry and acerbic and there's 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 i mean i don't say that as a i don't say that as a negative to be clear what Mm. i'm trying to get at is whilst these songs are angry and acerbic and very um and have a don't want to say have a message but you know they, they are very very angry they're still dressed up in these really sunshiny melodies i think these you know you you could put this on at a party and you wouldn't ruin the party i don't think do you know what i mean yeah i do know what you mean i mean i, I yeah i kind of agree with that um i it's, think it's it's, it's it's music that you can shake your ass to and have a good time to and it makes a mockery of the idea that having fun and having something important to say are mutually exclusive i think is what i'd say about yeah i mean certainly i felt like sunshine rock was kind of obviously an attempt to do super shiny posy vibes yeah and yeah, that yeah. album just feels lovely like i mean yeah. this time of year it's the sort of album you put on with the i'd say this time of year it's september it's just i look outside and it's like it's fucking very, summer it's it? yeah, it's um sunny, so. it's lovely um but you know that album i i remember listening to it and being like that's really you know this could go i think i said at the time it could go kind of toe to toe with the foo fighters you know in totally. terms of how big it is it sounds massive and this is a bit more punk rock it's a bit more ramshackle mm. it's a bit um it's a bit more you know kind of grizzled and mm. gnarly and everything mm. you know it bleeds out a bit more and yes you know there are parts in it where bob mold sounds pissed off you know mm. he sounds fucking pissed off but you know the dude has spent again nearly four decades writing just great catchy punk rock songs and he Mm. can't help himself i just think he can't help himself this record is just another great bob mold album yeah it is 14 tracks it is short it's concise it's got absolutely no fat on it there's only one song on it that tips past a three minute mark Mm. it's the kind of economical songwriting that this genre demands and bob mold is a master of it i think the fact that all the songs are so short i mean it's 14 songs in 35 minutes and 39 seconds um and yeah yeah as you said the longest on song on the record is reserved for that the woozy serene kind of um uh beautiful the ocean the last song the ocean which is um three minutes and 56 seconds but the majority of the songs are around the two and a half minute mark and it and because they're so short, it gives the record a sense of drive and purpose. Um, and I think it's really awesome to hear a man who, I mean, when this album's released, this album's actually released next week, uh, not this week, because we have yeah, a we should say that. Yeah. ridiculous amount of records to do next week. Um, but uh, this album will be released uh, three weeks away, three weeks shy of Bob Mould's 60th birthday. Um, and the fact that he is as impassioned and indignant and and pissed off as he is on this record really is saying a lot um i mean i was let's i mean if you take the first single american crisis right so from the press notes american crisis is a tale of two two times past time and present time 
The parallels between 1984 and 2020 are a bit scary for me. Telegenic, charismatic leaders praised and propped up by extreme evangelicals, either ignoring an epidemic, HIV slash AIDS, or being outright deceitful about a pandemic, COVID-19. Uh, the song was initially written for Sunshine Rock, but deemed too heavy by its writer. It spits plain spoken fire at the people who fermented this catastrophic moment in history. And then quotes from the song itself. I never thought I'd see this bullshit again. To come of age in the 80s was bad enough. We were marginalised and demonised. I watched a lot of my generation die. Welcome back to American Crisis. That's a really searing, incandescent and astute and above all important statement in that lyric. Yeah. And yet the song... It's catchy it's as fuck. It's catchy as fuck. It's so joyful. Like musically. It's it's so like you as I say, you can dance your ass off to it. And that's just fucking great. I love it. It's really I find it really difficult not to fall for Bob Mould. And I kind of wish more people would, really. Um, but you know, I just think he's he he I guess people I guess we talk about this all the time, don't we? We talk we use therapy as an example. It's just like when you're just continually just putting out great, mater- great material and just continuing to do it. Often you do for- get forgotten. And it's a real fucking shame because as far as I can see, uh, you know, I haven't listened to every single record that Bob Mould's ever done, but I'm failing to see. I don't think he's done a single bad record at this point, you know? Uh, well, no, I mean, like I say, he's... <laughs> This is this is shooting fish in a barrel for someone like Bob Mould. And yeah. again, you know, like you're right. I th- it starts with Heart on My Sleeve, which is mm. really lo-fi and acoustic. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, and and mm. if you like if you A-B this and Sunshine Rock, Sunshine Rock never, ever falls below just delighted to be alive. Right. No, but Heart on My Sleeve is the only song that 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 musically sounds dour as well isn't it yeah oh, but, and, and the but, ocean maybe yeah but to go from that i mean that album never drops below that and to go from oh that came out last year and then you start with heart on my sleeve and you're like oh fuck this is really really different and it just makes you go oh, oh okay this is going to be different and it's the, the opening know, lyric to that just to just to um, make your point is the west coast is covered in ash and flames keep denying hmm. the winds of climate change the deep south is sinking into the sea but you don't believe me yeah brilliant and it just sets up this thing that's like okay th- what you're gonna get it's still gonna be bob mold but it's different yes and yes yes quite quite i mean there is stuff on it like, i think siberian butterfly is mm. amazing i think mm. baby needs a cookie yeah is as angry as you can be while still singing a, a catchy chorus yeah yeah i mean i think that we've sort of said it um mm. Mm. this could have come out in 1991 it could have come out this year. Mm-hmm. It, uh, that's not an insult. It's no. just like man, m- man who writes timeless alternative rock songs continues to write brilliant timeless alternative rock songs. Yep. What more needs to be said? Yep. Go and listen to Bob Mould. Yep. It's not hard. In fact, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not hard. Come on. It's not hard, is it? Uh, anyway, there you go. It's called Blue Hearts. Uh, it is the new album from Bob Mould. It's out next week, if you're listening to this podcast, the week that it comes out. So, you know, you've got a week to prepare yourself. Um, maybe you can get on all their mold, Bob Mould records from yeah, put Sunshine back, back in day. Yeah. yeah and put, the, you and know, Copper Blue and everything. Else. All the stuff, yeah. Um, okay, the next album we're going to talk about comes from a band called Fawn Limbs. 
Sleeper Vessels is the name of the record. It is the second album from the Pennsylvanian noise math core. Who fucking knows where yeah. to, what exactly this is, right? Um. Uh, okay, now I have spoken in the past, I think we both have, about what are the limitations of being, particularly in 2000 and, you know, from as we've been speaking from sort of 2018 when we started onwards, we've spoken a lot about the, the limitations that have been opposed upon those kind of sugar worshipping, mathy, tech death, tech metal bands, right? Um, and to the point where today in 2020, I'd all but given up the idea that you could feel excited about a band doing that sort of thing. I've heard all of that stuff. You've heard Mm. all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. We've had a few bands when I think of someone like Bear, for example, whose album we spoke about earlier this year, where you just go, that is really good. And they've crafted some songs and it's good. Ultimately, though, you are still beholden to the template of Meshuggah, Candiria, The Locust, The Dillinger Escape Plan, Sixth, all that stuff. It's very, very difficult to imagine a world in which you can take that stuff today and you can make you make not even make it better, but make somebody go fucking hell, fucking hell. Mm. Yeah. And And yet here we have fawn limbs who have done an album which is 25 minutes long. It's 27 minutes and 55 seconds. Oh, 27 minutes, yeah, about about that, yeah. Um, and it is all kinds of what the fuck is going on. It's jaw-dropping, isn't it? Um, I think the... I mean, I said to you on the phone earlier this week um, that this record sounds like Frontier, a skull-fucking Norsem, and I uh, stand by that. Um, it is fucking brutal um it, uh, it starts the song it starts with this song called the Irre- uh, irrelevance of an exorcism which is as heavy as a very very heavy thing indeed it is very very heavy but it's just a mere tease for the absolutely cataclysmic terrifying all-out senses assault that comes in on matray matra matri matay and then resumes for the remaining 25 minutes. And not only does it start as heavy as hell, the record actually appears to get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier as its running time continues. It starts at an 11 and then it just pushes it further and further and further. And as a result, it doesn't get dull. It doesn't get boring. And there are... Um, it's, I mean, it's a hell of a trick for a band to pull off on their second album, I think. It's pretty extraordinary. Um, how do we describe a band like this? Goodness me. I think the closest... Well, do you want to, do you want to try? Um, it sort of sounds like Pig Destroyer, Phantomers and Candiria ziplocked in a plastic bag being strangled. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, uh there are yeah. bits on it where it's like this is a sort of this is some sort of mongrel some mutant mongrel of of 
all of those bands who just want to make you you know when you listen to something and like we spoke about imperial triumphant and both of us went this is really really impressive mm. this is really good mm. i don't know how often i could listen to this mm. because mm. it's such mm. a fucking you know it, it's sonically not like you know when we, we've spoken about shit like lingua ignota and the drift mm. which are more like <laughs> existential dread rather yeah. than actually somebody smashing you in the face with a baseball bat yeah yeah um this, this skull is crushing this is a smashed in the face with a baseball bat yeah whilst you're being stabbed in the back while somebody's setting you on fire yeah <laughs> it, it is you have a vivid imagination don't you steve well, yeah yeah it's like <laughs> there's bits of there's bits of deathcore in there yeah there's bits of tech death in there yeah. there's yeah. bits of math in there there's bits of grindcore mm -hmm. there are bits of just like you know the most oppressive electronic music i mean towards the end when they bring in shit like and what's the song which is like fucking pig uh ruiner uh, photovalactic hum ah, photo which hum. is like Indeed, just this ma massive sub drop mm. it's like it's it's almost like taking a tiller sub drops like the to take or mm. taking a take or thy art is murder like taking mm. this just like meat and potatoes thumpy sub drop deathcore beatdown thing and just mangling it with apex twin electronics yeah it's really really hard work this oh. even at 27 minutes this is really 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 heavy i mean it's really heavy yes it really is heavy <laughs> it's very 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 heavy indeed um corruption uh corruption aperture sounds like calculating infinity dillinger escape plan being fed through a cement mixer and spat out into an underground illegal drum and bass warehouse party uh <laughs> even has a nice little jazzy interlude which may or may not be a nod mm -hmm. to Dillinger. But again, it just Candiria. shows... Candiria, I thought it was more Candiria. Candiria, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, a swarm of invertebrate fauna is daughters at their most abrasive, but played by a metal band. Um, as the song progresses, it becomes far less chaotic, but no less heavy. It becomes this really big sludgy riff at the end. It does a ridiculous amount in a running time of a little over two minutes, as do all of these songs. The majority of the songs are around two minutes, one minute kind of thing. It is just in, out, in, out, brutal, brutal. Um, just, yeah, batter you around the head and steal your wallet and run off yeah. giggling like a schoolgirl. Not giggling like a schoolgirl. <laughs> giggling like the fucking rock. Uh, <laughs> I think that would sound like... Um, is that the rock? What, Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh I, th I think um, a band, I think it's difficult to escape the Frontera um, comparisons for a couple of reasons. A, um, guitarist of Frontera, Pedram, mixed this record. B, Chad, the vocalist of Frontera, appears on Photovoltaic Hum and the final track, The Gradients of Rescue and Exposition. Uh, but... But also they have that whole like, what the actual fuck are they doing now kind of thing to mm. them. Um... But I think in some ways, and I stress some, I think Sleeper Vessels is actually more successful 
than the two Frontier albums. I'm sorry, Ped. I know you probably will be listening to this. Bre- uh, brevity is key here, right? Brevity is key. Now, we have said it. We did say it with the Frontier records. Um, not, it's not, not meant as a diss to Frontier because I do fucking love them. But when we reviewed that last Frontier record, you know, it's almost an hour long. Um, and we were just like, this is fucking amazing. But Jesus Christ, you know, like talk about abuse for too fucking long. Um I think the manner in which this gets in and gets out makes it far more, uh, actually far more powerful because I don't, even though it is face melting throughout, I don't tire of it. And I think there are enough, there are a couple of moments where it does give you a breather. They, they are fleeting. Don't get me wrong. They are fleeting, but there's enough in there to make you go, I'm just going to take a quick breath before, oh my shit, ain't God, you know, before it just goes fucking insane again. Um, And, and, and I think just the flow of the record is actually really expertly done. Uh, I said this before, but like, it feels like there's a, 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 an end of the, of core music, hardcore, deathcore, whatever you want to say, which is pushing these extremes, the kind of bands like Frontier, Car Bomb, Fawn Limbs. And I, I really do think that this is the fu- this sort of stuff is the future of heavy music. And it feels like this is where we were when Meshuggah initially came out and people were just like, well, I can't hack this. I mean, if you look at Meshuggah's career, you know, they didn't really get much traction within the extreme metal world until Destroyer Rays improve, which was eight years into their career. I mean, they I would did... say in reality, it's a little bit, I would say got to kind of nothing, New Millennium Cyanide Christ when they got to Ozfest and there is you know, an argument going six years after that. There is an argument to say that. I was going to say they didn't get much wider appeal within like they wouldn't have got for example i don't know if they ever have got a metal hammer cover but they would no. never have got a metal hammer cover before obson i'd say which was 13 years after destroyer rays improve you know these bands do take a long time for people to kind of latch onto because people are catching up this is like even for even for a sadistic bastard like you, Steve. Forgive me for saying so, but even you are going. This is a bit much, and you mm. like sadistic shit. Like you yeah. really, there are not many people who I know who like sadistic shit as much as you do. But mm. you, even you, are kind of going, "Whew, fuck me, this is a bit much." Yeah, and but you know, our our taste change and our taste progress, and 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 as as time goes on, we, um, you know, uh, if you listen back to Morbid Angel now. It sounds incredibly heavy, but there is stuff that sounds heavier than it. I feel yeah. like I feel like music like this, Frontera, Carbom, etc., etc. Those are the bands who are pushing the extremes, and I do feel like in ten years' time, fifteen years' time, you'll look back on a record like this and you go, "Fuck me!" They were the pioneers for where music, where this sort of music is now. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to add. You have. I've already said them, but I think you have to add in Imperial Triumphant. Yes, um, fair, who fair. are? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's an argument for that. Here's what I'm going to say, which is we've been very nice about this record, and I think it is a really good record. Um, here's where I see the main difference between a lot of those bands that you mentioned and um, not Carbon, admittedly, but definitely Frontera and uh, and Fawn Limbs, is that at this moment, chucking loads of stuff in together. And just blending the hell out of it until it is, you know, even it can't be recognized by its dental records, mm-hmm. I think is is fine. Mm-hmm. But 
on a week when we've been talking about Napalm Death, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. were, you know, called This Is The End Of Music back mm-hmm. in the day, mm-hmm. Napalm Death have evolved. Pig yes. Destroyer have evolved. Yes. Um, the Dillinger Escape Plan evolved. Yes. Uh, even Meshuggah, as, you know, as kind of, they never, I mean, I think they, they're never going to stray way, way, way too far from the formula that they've created, but they definitely are different in many ways to what they've been before. It's when you start going, because you were going, oh, that song and that song. And I was like, do you know what? Are there any fucking songs on this? (laughs) I'm not sure that there's a bit in the title track where I was like, it's a song. That's a bit like a song. And yeah, it goes all death tonesy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. you know th- that's not an insult because I don't think they're sitting there going like, oh, you know, let's try and write "Live Forever" or something. But <laughs> I'd like to hear but, it though. But at the same time, even on early Dillinger or whatever, you've got the riff to forty three percent burnt, mm, mm, um, mm. and you know, even on I mean, we spoke about Norsem during this, and Norsem have incredibly catchy mosh parts that last mm. for longer than like seven seconds like it does on this record (laughs) um (laughs) i think if they are going to appeal to more than just you know 40 absolute lunatics they need to they need to actually go all right because i don't think you can go much further than this in terms of like how much faster how many more notes Mm. how more extreme how more downtuned how more weird you know how more scream like i don't think they can so they've got to find ways to make now i think the challenge for a band like fawn limbs is to go how can we make people hear this and still go oh my god but they walk away and go and they've got one of our songs in their head because the one thing about this is i played it and i just went the first couple of times i played it i just went (laughs) <laughs> and then i put it on again and i was like no i can't remember any of this I've, to, I've listened to it about seven or eight times and i still think th- there's very little that sticks mm. it is just like pfft, you've got to be in it got to mm. be in it mm. and i'm sure they're there i mean i'm i'm pretty sure that there are bits that will eventually stick like st- mm. i remember seeing sick for the first time and just being like well none of that's ever gonna yeah yeah, yeah stick yeah. with anyone yeah. and then yeah. hearing the demo and being able to fucking sing along to those songs yeah, like a yeah. week or so later. So I'm sure it's possible, but I, and, and I think that will be really interesting because like I say, writing song, writing songs is harder than just writing, you know, fucking a billion loads. riffs. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I acknowledge and I agree with what you're saying. I will say that. But the one thing I will point out is this. Uh, it's interesting that you said uh, not carbon. And uh, I do agree with you. But Carbomb, we acknowledge that Carbomb only really began to fit that thing into what they do on that last album, which was their Mm. fourth record. This is Fawn Lim's second. I have to say their first album came out this time last year. So they followed it up super fucking quickly. I think they've only been a band for a few years. And the fact that they're at this level already is like astonishing. Um, and uh, just to back up Frontier as well, they've only only done two full length records as well. So it feels so... I, I, I hope and I agree that both of those bands will go in the direction that you're talking about and will start mm. to actually think about song craft as opposed to just batting people around the head. Yeah, and if, I, and, I, if I, and if they want to last, they are going to have to do that. Yeah. But for an opening salvo, for an opening kind of statement, I mean, this is the first thing I've ever heard from Fawn Limbs and, and for jaw on the floor, just like, what the fuck are you doing? doing this is batshit crazy holy shit 
this is pretty extraordinary mm. i would say yeah it's 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 really really good um, do you know how many if, people are in the band steve the trio there are three people in the band. <laughs> now insane. i don't know if they're a three-piece live or not. I, I don't know how they could do it live frankly but the fucking vocalist is the guitarist as well what ha, what a what yeah, a uh, a that's what that's that's mental that is me- that is mental <laughs> um anyway yeah you know they 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 were certainly i mean you know it's not it's not an insult or anything for me to go oh, this is what you need to do i'm not stupid i mean if i can do this i'm sure they can yeah. actually find time to you know put some catchy bits in there as well yeah. a catchy quote unquote but if you are someone who you know is looking for something which is outrageously heavy this week um and something, that, a, and something that pushes the boundaries yeah yeah even even in a week when there's a new napalm death album yeah, out yeah if you just want something heavy mm-hmm. this is heavier than the new napalm death album this is the heaviest release of the week which is insane yeah. to say on the week of a napalm death record but yes this is the heaviest album by far so there you go fawn limbs sleeper vessels is out now uh, another thing that we're going to review from um next week so this is actually out this week it's out the week after it's jamie lenman king of clubs Hooray. a new mini album from the brit rock icon i'm going to call him an icon I'm he's an icon that. yeah he's an icon following on from last year's shuffle covers album which is a you know we i think we've said it a few times really really good covers album great shuffle, covers album. really good great. uh and uh, i still listen to um some of those some of those songs i think they're really good so um, do i i was listening Jay- to it just the other just the other week after seeing him live and him the tomorrow to never knows <laughs> the tomorrow never knows cover is yeah, yeah wicked man yeah 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 so and great. Some stranger called death i love uh, yeah. i love the theme from um not popeye the, no oh. Uh, oh, i do love the theme from popeye but the uh 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 oh for fuck's sake bram stoker's dracula is at the end of mm. what the fuck's it called i love that anyway um (laughs) anyway uh we you know i'm glad we're getting some new material from jamie though because Mm. it's been a little while since devolver came out Mm, three years years. feels like he's got a bit more in his locker than you know just an album every three years he's a prolific songwriter Uh, as is proof of this yeah sorry it has been three years um he i mean he likes to take his time there were there, there was four years between muscle memory and devolver so that's true i don't know maybe maybe but yes it's nice to it's certainly nice to have new material from him yes please especially yeah, when it it's uh, as good as this because as per so, this is good <laughs> and it's fucking heavy as well isn't it mm, well heavy again yeah. like yeah. you know i'm not saying that jamie's music is not heavy i wouldn't ever dare to insinuate that he's not got a riff or two up his sleeve but bloody hell this is this is all the heavy it's pretty probably much, the heavy, isn't it? It's the heaviest thing he's done since the first disc of Muscle Memory. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't quite reach those extremes because that was Jamie just absolutely mm. twatting people across the face. But uh, but certainly it's got its heavy moments in it. It's got quite a lot. It's got quite a sort of robotic industrial feel to it, a lot of it. In fact, a lot of the best stuff on this record, in my opinion, has a very robotic industrial vibe to it. Almost as if um Queens of the Stone Age and Ministry got together and had a love child, which sounds good. Yeah, to that's me. a good shout. There's even yeah. a bit of rapping on the first song, Summer there Discontent, which is um a, a wicked song. I know he's a bit of a, a hip hop fan, Jamie uh, yeah. Jamie Lemon. He likes hip hop. So I think yeah. what, I mean rapping I'm don't know how comfortable he feels being told that he's doing a bit of rapping on that, but 
Oh, that's not Jamie. It's uh, Illaman from Peng Shui. I thought it was someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Jamie. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know why I say. I wish I hadn't said that now. I look like an uh, idiot. <laughs> you do. And I haven't I haven't done a cut, which I haven't been able to no, cut no, this in a way. I, know, I, mean, I thought, oh, that can't be Jamie. But then I just looked in. It doesn't say featuring anyone. So I just went, oh, it must be him. And then I said it. And you've immediately corrected me. So. It's most, most definitely not. Fuck it. Um, I've not heard rap over Jamie's stuff before if I recall correctly, uh, unless you're counting Blame Thrower from Very Fast, Very Dangerous, which personally I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Well, I mean, you're the, you're the hip-hop expert. <laughs> Do you, you know that song, though, Blame Thrower? It's, 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 yeah. it's, yeah, it's not, it's not rap. It's, it's fast. No, yeah. I mean, even, even um, Hardbeat on Devolver, I remember seeing some interviews and he was like, oh, we're yeah. doing a bit of, it's like slightly rapped and then just sort of got a bit like, well, maybe not though yeah 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 um but i but i think um yeah it works um i i I, i've had this record for quite a long time one Mm. thing i will say is i keep forgetting that the illaman bit is on there to be honest uh it's always a bit of a surprise when he pops up and considering i've been i mean i've been listening to the rest of this record for like three or four months um and the fact that I listened to it yesterday and I was like, oh yeah, there's the rap bit on it, you know, and I've probably heard this like 20 times now. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a great indication of it. I think it works, but the fact that I keep on forgetting he's on the song in the first place, I think is a strong indicator that he's hard. I don't, I really, I really, really? like his bit. Yeah, I think it's good. Okay. I, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think it's good and I think it works. I just, I'm just not sure if it's needed, I think is what I will say. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. It sounds good. So I'm, I'm happy uh, with it. I like the little kind of plucked, what I assume is a violin string on Like Me Better. That Love gives it that it. really kind of creepy thing. That Love is probably, what, is it my favourite? It's one of my favourites. That and Kill Me, I think are both fucking yeah, excellent. Totally agreed. Uh, like Me Better. I thought it might be a ukulele. It might be a violin. It's a very highly strung acoustic plucked string instrument. Um, but it's played over this really gnarly riff um kind of reminded me of otter by solstafir in that it's um uh, there's you know that the main riff on that is played on banjo but it's a really heavy song underneath it uh but then the chorus to like me better has like failure vibes it has this really big spacey cinematic like uh, chorus which sounds fucking huge and I then mean, there's the recorded version does what you just did <laughs> and there's those huge 80 synths that come in on the last chorus which i thought you yeah. would like i really like I those as well i think it absolute class song yes uh it's like well i agree with you it's between like me better and uh kill me which is uh, mm. my favorite on the record another fairly yeah. sludgy robotic kind of yep. song yeah um, with a with a quite a uh, sort of sh- sh- i was gonna say shocking lyrical content like i was fucking pearl ringing bloody marianne not marianne hobbs um mary white out for a minute <laughs> but it is basically going kill me. i mean it's not it's talking about getting killed in it it's not the best <laughs> <laughs> jamie if, you, if you're we're reaching out to you if you're all, all right you know give us a call it's, it's all right everything's okay uh but no but uh, i was like war um i don't want to be your friend was a single i mean you mm. said that you didn't think that was one of the better ones on the on the album overall um well, what i will say um it, still I, fucking I, good don't it well yes quite um yeah don't don't throw me under the bus uh well, you under the bus <laughs> um well but i was gonna say the singles that have been released from this little mini album thing they are summer of discontent the future's dead uh i don't want to be your friend and the road to write 
um, are my least favourite songs on the record. Now, that is not necessarily an indication that they're the worst songs. And I certainly... Um, it's probably a good indication that they should be singles, yes, I would say. Yes, based on my track record for... Uh, why the fuck wasn't this a single um, in the past? Why wasn't Third Eye by Tool a single? <laughs> why? Pretty much, yeah. Um, that <laughs> uh, they probably, I think Jamie and his team, hello Jamie team, uh, probably made the right decision um, with putting those songs. Uh, they, they're certainly, I mean, I don't want to be your friend, for example, is the most straight ahead rocker of the record. It's Waterloo Teeth esque. I'd say mm. uh, I don't like it quite as much as a Waterloo Teeth, if I'm honest. Um, but certainly, it gets stuck in your head very, very quickly. I just think to to. It just comes down to the fact that personally, I prefer the songs which have a little. Uh, I don't want to be your friend. Is instant. It's instantaneous. You've heard it once, and once you you only need to hear it once, maybe twice, and you've heard everything that it has to offer. Whereas a song like uh, "Kill Me" or "Like Me Better" continues mm. to um, reveal hidden depths and hidden layers the more you listen to them and that's just the sort of thing that i'm into but i certainly yeah. don't think i don't want to be your friend is a bad song in any way shape or form it's just my least favorite on this record i still yeah, it's like it though. it's still good it's it's um it's it's got all the stuff that i mean i say it's got all the stuff. it's got most of the stuff that jamie does really really well on here i think like it is for the most part it's only 20 something minutes long it's 23 minutes 27 23 seconds. minutes it's seven songs it's pretty fucking upbeat it's pretty riff heavy it's got some heavy sh some proper heavy shit on it it's got you know it never goes to the sort of super acoustic very slow minimalisty stuff that he can also do mm -hmm. but that's absolutely mm -hmm. fine as a sort of here's seven new jamie lemon songs yeah fucking great for a mini Excellent. album for a mini album i think it works perfectly um the only thing i will say which we haven't mentioned it and we have to because it's instrumental and it's post-rock and it's a bit of me the title track king of clubs is a slow yeah. brooding instrumental track um the epic of the record if you will uh, although it's still relatively short at just five minutes and two seconds and yeah, it is Jamie gone post rock. So um, yes, please. Uh, or maybe more accurately, Jamie gone post metal, I think. Uh, mm. So of course I bloody fucking love it. Yeah, it's um, good, good way. It, good, it's a good out. Good way to end, doesn't it? Yeah, it recalls the likes of Russian Circles or Bosk or maybe even Cult of Luna, uh, but does it in five minutes rather than nine, which is a very difficult thing to achieve. But then Jamie Lemon can do it because he's um, one of the best songwriters this country's ever produced on that bombshell uh <laughs> jamie lemon king of clubs is out next week right we've got one more release to talk about it is the debut ep from a band called well it's not their debut ep so it is an an ep i think they've had one ep out before uh, this i, I believe it's just one song so i believe it is their debut oh, okay EP. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, cool all right yes you're Apologies you're right if we've got you're, the wrong boys but I think you're right um hidden mothers is the name of the band a three track ep from the sheffield based post blackened metal hardcore hybrid thing is that fair to say i just sort of went with post black metal but i'm happy for you to throw in hardcore as well i think that's fair enough yep so ethereal the post black metal i'd say yeah yeah, yeah yeah so on the strength of this i mean obviously they don't appear to have been a band for that long they've only this is taking their entire oeuvre that's four songs four songs so four far. songs so one had been released before and then we've got these three mm -hmm. um i think this is pretty fucking good yeah um so little peek behind the curtain um this 
uh, one, oh God, who was the member who got in contact with me? I want to say Liam. I do apologize if I've got your name wrong. Uh, but a member of the band got in contact with me saying that they love the show and they seemed very nice and they didn't seem desperate uh, as if they were contacting me just because they wanted to get their band on the show, which is a bit of advice for people who do choose to contact me and ask if we're <laughs> Although I'm sure, that is the case. I'm sure that is the case. <laughs> oh, it may well have been, but no they hid it. They hid to it. just talk to you, surely. <laughs> they hid it very, very well. Um, right. And uh, and I had a listen to it. Uh, a while back actually god several months ago and um thought yeah that's pretty good uh let's chuck that in um and yeah as you said it's quite driving ethereal post black metal from sheffield mixed by joe clayton of pine fame uh mm. and recording <laughs> and recording a shit ton of bands fame mastered by scott middleton he of cancer bats and looking like Renfrey deadman fame um oh, wow. doesn't <laughs> what, a, what a cv <laughs> Doesn't look like doesn't. Uh, so sorry, doesn't sound like cancer bats at all, though, does it? No, uh, no, does it, it doesn't. But it's, but it's a it's an interesting little factoid, which is why I wanted to just put it in there, um, and also say that he was famous for looking like me. Um, mm-hmm. I do appreciate that in a week where Napalm Death have released one of the best albums of their long illustrious career, and Fawn Limbs have released a fucking face melter of an album that an EP like this could have been overlooked. But um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it to people's attention because I think as you were hinting there, um, whilst this isn't the finished article by any stretch of the imagination, I do think uh, what we hear on this three-track, 18-minute EP is promise, and quite a Mm. lot of promise at that too. Um, Mm -hmm. I think opening track Beneath the Earth is my favourite by quite some distance. Oh, really? Uh, Okay. Ooh, interesting uh we'll get on to that in a sec it switches lots of different moods and goes to many different places um in that time i, I mean all three songs do to be fair but i think beneath to the earth does it most successfully what's your favorite song on the album uh EP? my own worth i think oh, it's fair great enough. yeah i, yeah, I like great. my own worth i i listened to the first track and i was like this is all right this is mm. this is quite an enjoyable thing to listen to um but then when my own worth came in and I thought the melodies in that and their kind of their use of melody in that was was really good. Mm, and I was mm. like, hmm, they've they are really quite competent in, you know, in a, a couple of things. I mm. think sometimes you hear a band, you go, OK, yeah, that's you're doing that thing. Like if you hear a brand new band and you hear them do one thing really well, then you can go, OK, well, or, or one thing well, you can go you're quite good at doing that thing that you obviously really, really like. Mm. But, and I thought at first I was like, okay, well, if we get three songs that sound like this, this is like in, in a world of, you know, Alcests and Death Heavens mm. and mm. the like, mm. um, th- you know, you've got some way to go if that's all you can do. But it's not because then My Own Worth comes in and I was like, oh, right, well, they've got a proper good grasp on melody and dynamics as well and that made me go hmm. and then my blindness your burden again just just before you move on my own worth i will i will say that um the dynamics of that song are excellent and the, yeah. the bravery of a band on their first ever release to because they stay in quite a quiet uh part on that song for a good three minutes or so um, yeah, really and I good. think that is awesome. And it makes, when they do come in, it makes it really, really big. And that yeah. that's something which a lot of bands their age are not confident enough to do. So mm. I think that's a really good thing. Sorry, go on. And it means that when My Blindness, um, Your Burden, the last song comes in again, uh, and it's heavy, mm. it just sounds loads heavier. And yeah, yeah. I, think this is, I think this is pretty good. It's three tracks. I mean, <laughs> like you say, it's a hell of a week. Mm. And you are you know you're you're really like 
in terms of you know it'd be an incredibly mean thing to do but if we were like ranking the order of i mean they're you know you're you're punching well out of your weight category as a band with only four songs being compared to napalm death yeah in terms of a week that we've had so that's why we're not going to do that yes but um but for for what this is Mm. i think this looks really good yeah i think there's a lot of scope for them to to get better they're clearly you know i think the worst thing when you get a sort of three track ep from a band sometimes and you hear you go okay well this is the first thing you've put out into the world and they do three songs that sound exactly the same quite and they have and you're like okay well that. you might be really good at that one thing but you but please give me just like some kind of assurance that i should want to hear a full-length album from you absolutely and this does that I think that's part of what I thought was so promising about it. Um, there's, as you've rightly said, there's a lot of great heavy music out this week. Uh, but Hidden Mothers, m- Mothers, Hidden Mothers are most certainly worthy of your time if you like uh, Mole. You mentioned Death Heaven, Ghost Bath. I think is a good shout. Early Alcest, yeah. I'd say that mm-hmm. kind of ethereal post black metal thing. If you are into that, um, it's definitely worth checking this out and just basically, you know. Um, following them uh, and seeing what they do next because if they continue yeah if this is the first release that they ever do and it's the worst thing they ever do then they're going to be a great band if if that if that's how it pans out them and sugar horse together on a little bill in a pub oh, somewhere in the uk yeah. would be lovely stuff so That'd sort that nice. out yeah um going i've come up all the ideas yeah that's the idea go and do it <laughs> um thank you and i'll take my percentage of whatever uh anyway that's, hidden mothers. that's how it works yeah it's definitely how it should, should be um <laughs> There you go, Hidden Mothers. Um, all right, let's move on and close the show as we do with Broken Records. Shall I do a rundown of where we are in Broken Records or do you think that's not worth it? Oh, it's so many now. No. Too many, isn't it? <laughs> Fine, fuck it. Okay. Um, Pink Floyd, Umaguma is what we're going to be talking about this week. Um, released on the 7th of November, 1969, the fourth album by Pink Floyd, the 1960s Muse ripoffs. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is the first Pink Floyd album <laughs> that contains no new songwriting credits from the band's original leader, Sid Barrett, uh, who left halfway through the making of A Source Full of Secrets in 1968. And in came Mr. Dave Gilmore of Standing on Top of the Wall doing a solo fame. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm already enjoying this one. Yeah. So really, you know, I guess... Um, this really marks the first time that we get an album entirely made from the quote unquote classic Pink Floyd lineup that made Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, et al. Um, shame, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. What do you mean? <laughs> well, it's a shame that it was this one. Oh, he's taking uh, a sip of his drink. I'm taking a sip of my drink. Um, that was all I was just taking a sip of my drink. Um, <laughs> I was reading too much so, into that, wasn't I? Yeah. Okay, go on. Yeah. So, Umaguma, uh, well, we should just, I guess, just get straight into what it is. Um, the first oh. half of it consists of a live album recorded at Manchester College of Commerce. Yes, really. And a club in Birmingham called Mothers. Uh, so it's four tracks. Astronomy, Astronomy Demean, the opening song from Piper and the Gates of Dawn, um, which is the debut Pink Floyd album. And it's the only writing credit on this album that Sid Barrett has. Obviously, I'm not really counting it because... It's a live version of that song. Um, two from Source of the Secrets and Careful With That Axe, Eugene, which was the B-side to the single Point Me At The Sky, which is quite a rare Floyd single, Renfrey, mm. if you don't know. Mm. Um, whilst the second half of the record uh, is a contribution from each member 
doing a sort of solo thing. Um, some of it's quite wacky, as you might imagine, <laughs> from uh, from the time. Um, I think some of this might have been influenced by drugs. I'm going to put it out there now. I'm going to put it out there now. I think acid may have had a part to play in this record potentially. Yes, <laughs> it's you know it it's possible. Um, <laughs> you know it is possible. Um, the uh, Nick Mason's part uh, featured his then wife Lindy playing flute. Yeah, Which is exciting, isn't it? Getting your wife in that normally works well in albums, doesn't <laughs> it? It's always going to work out well, I think. When yeah. your wife's in the studio with you, helping you out. Yeah. I can't think of any time when that's ever been a good idea. <laughs> Has that ever worked? Has that ever worked out well? I suppose. Wings. I was thinking of Paul McCartney. No, wings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, I'm struggling to think. Um, do tweet mm. us if you can think of anything, but uh, I can't off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, unless yes. your husband and wife and you're in the band together and that is part of the band. Yeah, yeah. But just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, guys, my wife's here. <laughs> she's gonna come and play the flute really actually i've got one i've got one um the knife party by deftones that's uh that bit in the middle the bit that ironically is a massive ripoff of um great gig in the sky yeah. uh that's abe cunningham's wife is it mm-hmm. i didn't know that oh fascinating i believe okay. i believe do you know what i've just plucked that out of the air from nowhere i'm 99.9 percent that is true Oh, great. If I'm it's to, not, I'm gonna have to fact no, no, check that now. No, don't. Well, no, I'm saying it. I'm almost certain that that's Abe Cunningham. That's part work. of what I do in the edit. I fact check. That's why it takes me fucking ages, Steve. Yeah, but I'm asking you to fact check it. I'm saying I think that's right. Other people can fact check it, and they can go actually no. But then they'll shout at us, and I don't like it when that. But I've just I've just covered our ass by going. Anyway, look, I am so sure. Do you know, I'm so sure I'm right. But as I said it, I went. When was the last time? I actually read that or heard that, but I'm sure I'm right. I'm let's, positive. Let's go with let's go with that you're right, and that's that's fascinating. And crikey, she's got a set of pipes on her. She I'd has, say. yes, she absolutely has. But for the most part, really, really, um, I don't think you need to get your wife involved in helping you make your albums or your or maybe husband's. Like or your husband. Time, your yep. husband. Yeah, or your husband. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty wacky, as you might imagine, for Pink Floyd at this time. But the amount of work that they put in individually to their own little contributions to this record and that live thing was kind of enough to justify the first post-Sid Barrett Pink Floyd album, which, on reflection to me, I think we'll probably talk about this in a bit, doesn't really feel like a lot of thought has gone into this record particularly in terms of this should be some sort of we are the new this is pink floyd now this is the statement not here's a live album and we've done a song each as well well i feel like a lot of drugs have gone into it um a lot of drugs have gone into it uh maybe allegedly um definitely a lot of drugs went into it absolutely like there's no fucking getting away from that that happened there was a lot of drugs involved but Uh, just as a business not as a business decision but as a creative decision and as putting a marker down oh i'm i'm sorry it's a dumb fucking move it's a dumb Mm. fucking move (laughs) silly dumb move Uh, but anyway so i mean 
it went in as the album was released, went to number five in the UK charts, uh, and it was number 74 in the US Billboard charts, their first album to chart that high in the US. It's currently sold over a million copies in the USA. That's platinum. It's gone gold here in the UK, 60,000 copies. Um, at the time of release, critics were fairly positive to this record. The International, I don't actually know what that is, but it was a thing from the time, called it probably one of the best live recordings I've ever heard. Um, Robert Christigou has suggested oh, that, the, that the album's hypno hypnotic melodies make it an admirable record to fall asleep to. I'm not sure if that's... <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean... I don't he's really. A prick, isn't he? He is a bit of a prick, but I mean. I mean, I do agree like, with him, but he is a prick. <laughs> I mean, much like uh, when we do any of these albums from this period of time, it's actually really quite hard to find reviews from that period. Yes. So yeah. there aren't really many reviews for me to be able to call on, unfortunately. Um, but when Pink Floyd re-released their entire back catalogue over the many times that they have done that, um, the re-releases when they've come out there, the, the, the sort of reviews at that point. Uh, appear to have been quite a mixed bag of opinions. Um, Stylist magazine was very positive about it in 2012. They said, as a visceral document of the early Floyd's proclivity for atmospheric energetic jamming, there's nothing else like it. Uh, they also said that the studio, um, half of it, somehow transcends its fractured construction to make a full-length statement. Uh, the Daily Telegraph gave it three out of five when they reviewed the entire Pink Floyd discography in 2012. The Rolling Stone album guide has given it two and a half out of five. Not terrible. Um, Sputnik Music gave it four out of five, uh, saying, In the end, Umaguma, within its essence, is an exploratory odyssey, one in which Pink Floyd discover new musical realms and take themselves to even stranger dimensions. This is certainly one of their least appreciated efforts, and far from being a classic, but it was ne a necessary step in their career. Um, so it's sold well. It's been reviewed quite well. It's not really seen as one of the best in their back catalogue. But certainly not the worst either. Mm. So for one of the first times in Broken Records history, Renfrey, mm. I'm going, well, why is it here? Sold a million copies in America. Big hit. They got big off the back of it. The critics seem to quite like it. I've been looking at the fan sites. You get a lot of good reviews from the fan sites. People seem to like it. Why is this in Broken Records? We even had a few tweets from people mm. going, oh my God, are you mad? It's great. Mm. um people it's probably the most we've ever had for an album that was going into this list on broken records yes. so the only thing i can think is why is it here well this is a little bit like stanley kubrick banning a clockwork orange um yeah. everyone else seems to like it but the band themselves think it's fucking rubbish mm. um roger waters has called it a disaster um Dave Gilmore was asked what he thinks of either side in an interview back in 1994. He said, I think both are horrible. The live disc of Amagumma might be all right, but even that isn't recorded well. Um, Nick Mason has said, this is absolutely not a band album. The live stuff sounds incredibly antiquated. Although the fact that Pink Floyd playing at Mothers in Birmingham was considered a bit of an event at the time. We were looking for new ways of constructing an album. Although I think this demonstrates... Uh, what this demonstrates is that our sum is always better than the parts. EMI was very hidebound in those days. It was run by guys in white coats. I was prevented from editing my own tapes by a studio manager who told me I wasn't a union member. Um, 
Dave Gilmore said, I'd never written anything before. I just went up into the studio and started waffling about, tacking bits and pieces together. I rang up Roger at one point to ask him to write some lyrics for me. He just said, no. Um, <laughs> Nick Mason also said, I thought it was a very good and interesting little exercise. The whole business of everyone doing a bit, but I still feel very strongly that it's quite a good example of the sun being greater than the parts. The most significant thing is that we didn't do it again. Um, so Pink Floyd themselves think this is shit, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that is why it gets onto lists of, you know, when you talk about the worst album ever or the most this and that album ever, Umaguma gets on there because Pink Floyd themselves are like, oh God, and they're always slagging it off. Um, Renfrey, are they right to slag this record off? I think they're absolutely 100% right to slag this Do record you? off. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fucking dreadful. Uh, <laughs> personally. <laughs> um, fucking hell. I, I listen to this and I understand why the punk movement rose up in such great opposition against prog. Generally. Yeah, I, you know, I, because this is... I mean, the, let, let's, let's be clear here. Mm. This is more psychedelic... 60 psychedelia than it is prog i would uh, say yes but yes yes fine well it's psychedelic prog isn't it um i, I mean I we're splitting so, yeah. we're splitting hairs here we're splitting yeah, hairs here but but you know like it, it it it's what one thing that it undeniably is is very self-indulgent okay. uh you said to me, you listened to this before me, and uh, you gave me a little bit of a pre-warning heads up, which I very much appreciated. Um, I think you could have spent 24 hours warning me about this record, and I still wouldn't have got the enormity of the utter shitness of it. Uh, <laughs> um, you said that the live album was okay, was you know all right, but mm-hmm. the studio album is where it really descends into broken record territory yeah and i think that's fair to an extent but i have to say even the live album uh and i'm not familiar with or in fact i'm not familiar with any of the songs except for a source of full of secrets which i which is by far for me the best track on the entire thing by far really okay for my money yeah um but when i hear a song like astronomy demine 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 um the way that it rises and falls and tries to go to different places and be be dynamic and all that sort of thing but it it's eight and a half minutes and it never actually feels like it goes anywhere you know and and i think i mean i do feel like i'm returning to an argument which i've made before but people say that post-rock is self-indulgent post-rock is blink 182 compared to this oh, that's a bad example but 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 in in terms of its non-self-indulgence yeah, I, I agree <laughs> <laughs> but you know it like this is this is so self-indulgent it's just un. i mean this is the this is the stuff that i recall i when when we were doing the wall special um i uh, brought up a friend of mine from drama school who was obsessed with the Sid Barrett era of Pink Floyd and he used to play me this stuff all the time and I was just like I don't get it man and and I, here I find myself almost 17 18 years later and I'm still in I do not get this stuff at all I find it really boring really dull really droll and over long overstuffed self-indulgent and 
to add to that, the other big argument I always make with Pink Floyd, other bands have come along and done this stuff better. This whole thing of like, oh, they're the originators, so therefore they're the best. That whole argument, you know, Black Sabbath are not the best metal band ever. The MC5 are not the best punk band ever, if we're going to call them a Black, punk band. Black Sabbath are very, 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 very high up in the list of the best metal bands ever. They're very good, but they're not the best. DJ Cool Herc is not the best hip-hop artist of all time. You know, this whole thing of the originator is the best it's just nonsense. Mm. I mean, um, careful with that axe, Eugene. Certainly sounds very re- reminiscent of uh, the Mars Volta. And I'm sure... I, the Mars- I, I actually think, I was going to say, for the live thing, I think careful with that axe, Eugene, is the, is the best. I think it's the best thing. Probably my, it's probably my favourite bit on the record, actually. Okay, okay. I will say, like, I listened to that and I was like, okay, the Mars Volta were definitely paying attention to this song. Like, I'd be really surprised if they hadn't heard this song. And there's bits on it which reminded me of Francis the Mute. You know, certainly the, the really, really, really long song that's like 35 minutes spread over a few tracks, mm-hmm. particularly. But, you know, I think the Mars Volta have advanced it and made it far better and made it far more exciting and made it far more put a lot more kind of um verve and spirit and energy into it um and i just i think if you compare the two it's just it's night and day personally i i i think careful with that axe eugene oh um it, it it's borderline yeah okay um, um it's one of the better moments on the record i don't think it's saying a lot especially when we get to disc two um mm. but but yeah I, yeah it probably is i think i think if you i think if you told me when i came to it because it's the second track isn't it i think if yeah. you told me that this was going to be one of the best songs on the record i would have just given up <laughs> at that point because <laughs> i mean yeah we'll get on to the second disc in a moment which i'm i'm sure you will agree with me on on a lot of that stuff um but uh, but even 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 the live album, whilst there were bits that I really liked, and and actually a sourceful source of other secrets is one of them. I did think this is self indulgent twaddle, and this is everything I hate about Pink Floyd. Yes, I mean you know Pink Floyd at this point, I, I think uh, yes. are very very definitely, you know, um, doing the Sid Barrett mad psychedelic mm. elongated whatever fucking you know and also Wank. you know yeah yeah i mean look you know i'm not i've i said this when we did the wall i'm not someone who is in love with i mean we'll talk about sort of where they went and stuff in a little bit uh, there are bits from the sid barrett era i mean i've got um piper at the gates of dawn and i think some of it's really fucking good some okay. of it's really good right and sid barrett is obviously a very single-minded uh and unique individual um, I, will, I will say just to interject very quickly piper at the gates of dawn is actually on writer's review so um we will do that one one day <laughs> yeah we will i won't make you listen to too much more not not for a while but we will do it yeah one day yeah um you know but i i don't i i don't think that um I think the live, you know, there's bits of the Sid Barrett era that I like. There's bits that I think is everything that you've just said. Yeah. And yeah, there's yeah. kind of the, uh, the the direct aftermath of the Sid Barrett era as well at this point. Um, I mean, the whole idea of the album just smacks. I mean, I said at the start, like, who's in charge here? And this whole album feels like, who's who's running this show now? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you can listen to Sourceful of Secrets and that is slightly 
transitory. I think you can listen to Piper at the Gates of Dawn. You go, well, I know who's, I, I at least know who's in charge here. Or at least somebody has taken the reins here. Yeah. Umaguma is a kind of a, a, a rainless, directionless record. Um, I don't necessarily think all of it is bad. I mean, like I say, those songs were not created in the studio for the, the live tracks. I think Careful With That Axe Eugene is good. You mentioned the live Source Full of Secrets, which points of that i'm like yeah this is mm. this is good it's not a brilliant live album i yeah. think the recorded it's their the recorded equals are superior to them yes. in every in every case certainly um, certainly a source of full of secrets i can i can confirm definitely it's better on the original. yeah um and it's then when, and you're right it's then when we get to the recorded side the studio album part um where I'm going to give, uh, do you know what, before we kind of go, oh, what are you thinking? Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to give Roger, I'm going to at least give Roger Waters a little bit of credit for at least attempting to write a song. Yep. Yep. Fair. Like Roger Waters. In, like, in Grantchester Meadows. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to shit, I'm not going to shit on Roger Waters because I would say actually Grantchester Meadows is, it's not ever going to be like, if I'm making a list of the greatest Pink Floyd ever songs ever, that ain't going to be in there. But in the, the the kind of um the context of this record i when it comes in i'm like oh i think this is a fucking actual song and roger waters is actually trying to write a song there's stuff like you know richard 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 wright well just 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 to say grantchester meadows on that it's pleasant enough that song but it Mm. is very much a stockholm syndrome thing isn't it it is very much like oh thank god something's come in that's melodious and tuneful i mean let's not piss about it's still not a good song but it is a song <laughs> at least i think it's an all right i think it's an all right song i think it's a you know is it a great it's not a great song is it a good song it's an all right song it's an all it's, right song it's double the length it needs to be seven that's, and a half minutes well you can say that about a lot of songs and i don't necessarily think it makes them bad songs can you make just say not that, can you say that songs do, uh, can you say that uh, about a lot of songs that they're double the length they need to be? I don't think you can I say about could, a lot of songs. <laughs> it no, is but I think it's five. I would have. Yeah, it's it's quite it's it's quite a little bit too. I would say it's, it doesn't. Could, five it minutes does, of this would be fine. I think three minutes of it would have been fine. Perfect, actually. It's okay. it's a nice song. It's an it's a nice pleasant song, but it mm. is very much. I think it. I think it's such a sort of. <sighs> after the absolutely dreadful self-indulgent shit that comes before it i you know i i think that's the reason why i think if you isolated it then you'd be like meh so who is the most pretentious of the other three because i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna tag roger waters out here i mean of course of course i am fucking going on about the wall everyone's gonna be like oh hill you fucking get your get your tongue out of Roger Waters bum <laughs> but like I am I am gonna say Roger Waters you are exempt from I mean apart from not helping Dave Dave Gilmore out with any lyrics I which mean clearly needed I'm hap- um, I'm happy to tag him out but but can shouldn't we mention the fact that he's responsible for several species of small furry animals gathered together in a cave and grieving with a pict that's the name of the song yeah yeah I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. So he's responsible okay. for Naughty's emo titles, for starters. Uh, yeah. But I find, I mean, I got to say, I find that at least sort of funny. For five minutes? Well, you know, it's Pink Floyd, isn't it? 
If I, okay, look, if Ailstorm did that, you'd be fucking furious. That's <laughs> all Ailstorm, I'll say. Well, if Ailstorm did that and they did that 12 times, which is what they tend to do, then yes, I would be furious. Mm, but mm. at least it's like... So let's explain what it is. It's a bunch of sort of whooping animal noises and then water's occasionally, yeah, whooping over the top of it, isn't it? For five doing, minutes. And doing the Scottish, like yeah. talking in a Scottish accent. Yeah, for five minutes it's yeah. i mean look it's not great it's not great but then it's terrible you know yeah it's not great it's not great i guess no it's, it's not <laughs> it's i like terrible. the scottish accent is nice to listen to i feel like i'm really struggling to like <laughs> not slag off Rob, roger Wallace, i'm really sorry I'm... mate but it's bad <laughs> i'm so sorry look i know you love pink floyd and i, I don't i don't really enjoy tearing them apart because they have they have they have influenced some of my favorite bands ever but it is terrible. It is objectively terrible. Mm. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Go on. Uh, so who's, who's, who's worse? The here? Most, who's right, the worst? Right, Gilmore or Mason? For me, it's between Right and Mason. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, goodness me. Oh, fucking hell. Um, oh, goodness It's got to be right, innit? It's got to be right. I think it is right. Just yeah, I think falling on right. his keyboard. Well, goodness me. Okay, so he has written the song Sisyphus, Sisyphus, and it's in four separate parts, as Pink Floyd are want to do. Uh, I didn't make notes of part one, but part two is the sound of a cat walking over random keys of a piano. Uh, mm-hmm. Part three is that same cat walking over different parts of the piano whilst hitting a drum kit and drowning. And part four is that same cat walking over a moog on heavy sedatives before startling itself by falling on an organ that's what this song is and it is fucking shite it's awful john cage john cage would look at this and go bit avant-garde lads it's it's fucking just shit it's shit i don't understand the cult of pink floyd i just don't get it I don't I don't understand I don't understand. I mean, and it is a cult. It's ridiculous because you just kind of get people who go, Oh my god, it's genius. They were the first to do it. They were the first to put a cat on a piano. It's like, no, it's fucking shit. What I mean, I know this is not the record to judge them as a whole. Well, I was gonna on, say obviously. I think I <laughs> don't think that's what people were thinking when they talk about how great that's not what my my head does not go to fucking no, sure. syphilis parts one to four when i think sure. about why i like pink floyd no sure 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 but you but you did acknowledge at the beginning of this broken records that this wasn't particularly reviewed badly and i yeah. feel like if any other band had released it it would have had at least a star knocked off of all of the re- reviews i mean i'm looking at some of them now it should have had several stars knocked off all of them and i can't help but feel that the only reason that it didn't have those stars knocked off is because it's pink fucking floyd and i just don't get it i think it's i think i think we i think we do call out other bands when that sort of thing happens and i think you know, I mean, maybe I feel like you're part of the cult, Steve. I'm sorry to say it, but I think you might wow. be part of the cult. <laughs> yeah, wow. but I, I don't. Wow. I, I mean, I, I looked up the reviews on um, Amazon for this uh, for this album, and you know, just people being like, "Oh, it's a masterwork," and all this kind of thing. It's like, what are you fucking on about? It's dreadful. Like there, there are bits that are good. But I reckon this is 86 minutes and 32 seconds in total. I reckon that only 20 minutes of this entire thing has anything that is even vaguely approaching good. 
And even then, I wouldn't say it's good. It's just vaguely approaching good. And and mm. and for me, like I say, a source of all the secrets is the highlight of the entire thing. And the um the version on the the album, which is a better. source of full of secrets, isn't it? Yeah, is is better. It's just it's just a total pointless waste of time. It's fucking shite. Well, in their own defence, mm-hmm. this is what Dave Gilmore said when asked about um this album in 2011 we were fairly brave and we would put anything on a record that amused us one way or another but in some of those moments we were floundering about and didn't have our forward momentum very clear and inspiration might have been a bit thin on the ground at times a bit me very much so Dave. yeah (laughs) people accuse us of being pretentious but if you don't push the boundaries if you don't verge on the borders of pretentious i don't think you can advance an awful lot you've got to have the courage and not care what people think about you in that moment now i agree with all of that right i i think that is why you know pink like i said this is the classic lineup of pink floyd but they'd lost their leader at this point they'd lost the guy who was the fucking guy sid barrett Mm. was the guy who did all the stuff he was the one that everyone thought about it would be like like nirvana trying to get a new front man in or maybe not even that it would be like you know it's like trying to get the some trying to think of someone like like hetfield be trying to get like a replacement for james hetfield after a couple of albums and suddenly you're looking around and you're like oh fuck like but this is the stuff that should remain on the studio floor well that's fair this is i mean this is this is you know like i understand that this is a process um and i do get that like you know, sometimes you have to come out with all sorts of shit before you get to the gold, you know, but um, I just don't understand at all. I mean, maybe, maybe it was a contractual obligation or something like that, that we're not considering or thinking about, or that I'm not considering or thinking about. And certainly that thing that um, Gilmore said, it was Gilmore that you quoted from there, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, About, I mean, you're not going to get anyone who agrees with that sentiment more than me in terms of like, in order to, to to be experimental and so and so forth you do have to be pretentious i talk about pretentious music all the fucking time but there's pretentious music and then there's this this is beyond pretentious this is this is so far up the arse of stuff <laughs> like so far up. i mean you compare it to mono or we lost the sea or anything like that or godspeed you black emperor even and this this is like it's extraordinarily pretentious. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the time, 1969. Sure, you sure. Know, that was sure. the time. And in those days, bands released an album every year. You got to yes. think, it was only a year before that Source of the Secrets came out. And the dude who was fucking in charge of everything left halfway through recording that. And then they're like, well, we've got to put a new thing out. And they tried this. Now, I mean, even when you get to Atom Heart Mother, which comes out a year later, I mean, even Roger, Roger Waters has even slagged that off, saying he'd like to throw that in the dustbin, right. which I think at least is a fucking, at least that's an album. Mm. Like, you know, medal. And then at medal, I go, ah, oh, yeah, I'm starting to see what this band are. Mm. And then you get Dark Side of the Moon. And then you get arguably one of the best four album forruns ever. And and I understand, like, I you know, did, it, did the world need to hear this? Mm. Not really. But yeah. if... Pink Floyd having to release this and having to go, okay, well, we can't do that again. If that leads them to the point where 
they're releasing the dark side of the moon and wish you were here and animals and the wall then i i can live with this album existing i don't you know if you're like me you call me that you know the the cult of pink floyd and, da, 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 and you say that about like oh you're part of it i'm not part of it in the sense that, that you know like i say the sid barrett stuff i can kind of take or leave it there's some of it i think is pretty good there's some of it that I don't think is really good. I'm not really that into sort of psychedelic 60s psychedelia by anyone. You know, I like the doors, but even the doors, when the doors mm. get oh, too the doors far up their own well ass. Well up their own ass, yeah, yeah, yeah. When like, they were again, good, they were fucking amazing. But yeah. but yeah, again, when they're good, but it's not really my bag. Um, Might have been a bit unfair to say you were part of the cult, but just to give you a few ideas, I did just call up the Amazon thing. I'm not going to actually read the reviews, These, but the, the reason I wanted to call up Amazon is these are reviews not by... Uh, critics they're reviews by people you know by by ordinary folk by uh uh civilians as we call them yeah <laughs> and um i just just to read the headlines of these reviews always perfection classic pink floyd sounding better than the original vinyl great screams i fully accept that i'm an old timer but don't think floyd have ever done better that's the cult of pink floyd yeah i mean <laughs> if you're like me and you love the big big commercial pink floyd stuff and you when you think of pink floyd you do think of you know that run of four um i think you'll find a lot of this incredibly alienating you you just will um and they certainly made the right and in my mind you know the direction they went in writing songs for me is is clearly you know, I don't care how fucking much of a, you know, sellout or much of a fucking normie it makes me sound. Uh, comfortably Numb is better than anything that happened at this it period. Is. It, it, it just is. it is. And, you know, like you can you can tell me that I'm like basic as fuck or whatever. I just think I like actual, you know songs are great not that this has not got any no songs on it at all and it's completely different but i think that approach suits them much better and the reason people talk about pink floyd and how great they are now i don't think is because of stuff like umaguma having said that for doing something that i am not like super invested in in the first half on the live album um I, but this is not the worst like this is no this would for me if when we come to ranking it here mm-hmm. this is nowhere near the worst that we've done at all oh definitely I, I don't not think no 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 um i mean just just for the just for the fact that it doesn't have um troublesome lyrics let's say <laughs> it, it, it doesn't get into the worst no 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 um I, I have to admit, I, I'm looking at the list in front of me and it is quite difficult to um, figure out a place for it, I have to admit. Uh, but I, I, don't, I, th- I, I would say it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think, like D.D. King, I get a lot more love, I've got a lot more love for, and, and yeah, even course. Shatner and Lauren Hill, blah, blah, blah. So I certainly don't think it's around there, but it's absolutely not as risible as your Uncle Crackers, your Broken Sides, your Blood on the Dance Floors, your Methods of Mayhem. So really, I think we're looking at somewhere in the middle, maybe somewhere between Queen and Paul Rogers and Mick Jagger, maybe. I don't know if you have the list up there. So I do. I mean, I'm just looking at it. There's a little gap here. There's kind of Black and White Rainbows by Bush, mm. Primitive Call by Mick Jagger. Results may vary by Limp Biscuit. I mean, I have to say, as soon as I got there, I was like, well, 
this is better than results may vary. It's pretentious as fuck. You're not going to hear me sticking up for Limp Bizkit very often, but I don't think it is better than results. You really vary. think? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> oh my! I can't. Oh, I can't believe you've made me do it, Steve. And I feel sick in my mouth. But I do think Fred Durst is better than this. <laughs> I actually do. But I, I mean, do. at least, at least, you know, the first half of this, they are doing a thing that they try and do and doing it well. I mean, Limp Biscuit aren't even good at doing the thing that then they they tried. Uh, uh, like, I, I, very isn't I even a good. Doing, I don't think they're doing it well. I just don't well, the, think they are. The live album? No, no. I think they're certainly doing it better than the fucking Limp Biscuit trying to do Nickelback. I don't think it's done well though, and I think it. I, I mean, I'm, Limp Biscuit had a couple of moments on it which made me go, "Oh, at least that's quite a good riff." I suppose this has a couple of moments on it which makes me go, "It's oh, it's a hard one." Um, I mean, to be totally, perfectly frank with you. I was kind of looking at it and thinking of putting it kind of, oh, I don't think you're going to like this. Um, sort of between The Enemy and Dirty Vegas. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> it's not good, Steve. It's I'm really not saying bad. it's good. I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, when it's bad, it's fucking dreadful. Mm. Mm. and it's, it's also, long it's really long it's really long results yeah. may vary as long as well but you know i mean they're all bloody album. long all these fucking albums are yeah. long aren't they well the um, enemy is like 43 minutes dirty vegas was quite short from what i recall um, I, I here would be my kind of my my um my riposte to just particularly dirty vegas and the enemy okay you aren't you won't forget what's on here like the enemy is like a and dirty Vegas are like bubbles. You blow it, and as soon as it hits oxygen, it just vanishes and disappears. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. You won't forget this record again. And like it or not, Pink Floyd were trying to do that. It's a bit like Metal Machine music. That's mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. I mean, I think even they admit they didn't really succeed, which yeah. I think is where it is different to Metal Machine music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think. Well, I actually said they know what they want. I don't, I mean, maybe that's the thing. I'm not even sure they definitely knew definitely what they did want to do. But they certainly knew that they were, you know, they were going in to do something experimental and to just let whatever happened be the thing that happens. And certainly I think you've got a song like Astronomy, uh, Astronomy Demean, which is the first song on Piper the Gates at Dawn, which is a good, a good record. And it's not the best version of it and it does sound super dated at the time but for 1969 standards doing a live album uh you know i don't have i don't think you can shit on it too much it's mm. 60 psychedelica is hard work man it's fucking hard work and it's hit and miss it's so hit and miss but and even when this is, when more, this is hit I think and miss this is more miss than hit personally absolutely i agree with you i think it is more miss than hit but i don't think there's anything on the enemy or dirty vegas that could even be considered vaguely hit based and particularly when particularly when their standards are so low with yeah. what they're aiming yeah. for is so shooting fish in a barrel okay. i think that is more risible than what pink floyd are trying to do you've convinced me there but how about we compromise and put it what? between 
with Limp between Biscuit. the enemy and Limp Bizkit. Okay. Yeah, because it's not great, that's, you know. No, that's a I fair mean, compromise, I, though, I think. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, he's not that. happy. He's not happy. No, no, it's fine. I think that's, you know, look, this is not a good... I, look, to be honest with you, right, I didn't listen to this album until about about six years ago. Right. Because there's a lot of Pink Floyd, like a bit with Nightmare Sound and Napalm Death, what a daunting back catalogue. And particularly yeah, the yeah. kind of the 60s and earlier stuff, I find that particularly daunting. And I think <clears throat> Piper at the Gates of Dawn was actually the second, second or third. Yeah, because it would have been The Wall and uh, and then Dark Side of the Moon. And then I got Piper at the Gates of Dawn. And that's when I shit myself. And then I got Medal. <laughs> that's when I got Medal. And I went, okay, there's definitely... Like it's different, but it's something. It's something else, but it's still good. Piper at the Gates of Dawn just weirded me out a lot, mm. um, and then I just was like, oh, I might leave that stuff for a while, and I just went for sort of all of the big ones. Mm-hmm. But when I came back to it, which was you know, like I say, not long ago, because I was like, I never really did go fully in on that proper early part of Pink Floyd's career. Not very much of it has stuck with me, and Umaguma was certainly one of the ones that did not stick with me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not here repping for it. No, fair, um, fair, fair, fair. But, uh, but it's not great. But in it goes, Umaguma by Pink Floyd. If you are one of those people that Renfrey's talking about and you're furious, please direct your anger to Renfrey and not to me because <laughs> uh, I'm more on your side than uh, than, than he is. Well, certainly yeah. than he is. Um, anyway, yeah, let's pick another nice, house. It's always nice to hear from people who disagree with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, said, let's pick another house out. That's not true at all. <laughs> let's pick another album out of the hat. Ooh. He's been playing Monopoly this entire time, ladies and gents. Yes. Um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, original uh, soundtrack uh, by various artists. artists. Interesting. Okay. So another bit, a couple of big Van Halen, yeah. Pink Floyd, and now the Beatles. Well, that's well, not really well the Beatles. it's not the Beatles, but yes. Be- yes. The Bee Gees. Oh, the Bee Gees. Like, fuck me. Okay. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with the Bee Gees. No, no, no. But I can't imagine them doing, them doing Sergeant Pepper era Beatles does not sound good to me. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. No, so that should be good. No. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band original soundtrack is going to go into Broken Records next week. And next week we are going to be reviewing brand new records from Deftones, yes. Public Enemy, yes. Idols and more. Anyway, see you next week. We'll be doing those albums and something else. See you later.